everything's going good. I'm married, two kids. The swearing in of it was huge. I mean, it was standing room only. People came out of the woodwork to come see me get sworn in. I did some pretty unique things where people were writing articles about it. I had the first ever Taxpayer Hero Award in the state of Ohio because I was saving money and rehabilitating inmates. And um, things were going really good. I mean, really good. And then um, I was diagnosed with arthritis in 2010. I broke both of my ankles as a kid. And I ended up going to a specialist and they gave me 105 Vicodin a month. You know, trying to be a father, a husband, and the sheriff of a county. We get three kids that are um, fall through the ice in the mouth of a river. So I race out there. We, got, we get the boat out in that. We lose all three of the kids. They drown in right. front of us. So what do I do? I get help for everybody else. I don't get help for Kyle. So between that and then my marriage is starting to struggle. The amount of Vicodin start to really climb. Different doctor, a couple different doctors, and everybody trusted me. I was the sheriff, you know? Right. Who would ever think that the sheriff would be in it? That night at 630, I get a phone call. You better turn yourself in. I said, what's up? They got a 43-count indictment on you. <whistles> so they they locked me up. Uh, I went in, turned myself in. I locked, Yeah, they locked me up. You're the sheriff I in in your county. Uh, they booked me there, and then they took me to adjacent county. What is the what is the fucking staff doing? They got to be walking around going they were, like they were Holy they were shit. they were like oh. I go to take my son to school. He says, and I'll never forget this. He's like, Dad, am I going to see you after school? I said, Dylan, I got this. I said, Watch me. I got this, Dylan. I'll see you after school. Oh. Hey, this is Matt Cox, and I am here with Kyle Overmeyer. He is the former sheriff of, I don't know what county, but he was a sheriff of that county for eight years. We're going to find out. Uh, and he was, what were you indicted for? Uh, doctor shopping and theft of uh, drugs. Doctor shopping and theft of drugs. All right, not your typical sheriff. So this is going to be a good video, and it's going to be uh, a good interview, whatever. All right, thank you. Uh, check this out. Uh, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna like this. It's good. He's a character. First of all, do you know who Sheriff uh, Grady uh, Judd is? Uh, sheriff, sheriff Judd Grady, I think. Sheriff, sheriff Grady. Grady. Judd. JD, no. Gr J yeah. Grady Judd. Yeah. Grady Judd. That name's familiar, but yeah. I, I don't know for sure. Brown hair, glasses. He does. He's the sheriff of um, County. Polk County. Oh, okay. You know, and he he's constantly doing. Uh, he does press conferences where he makes fun of the, the the like. He'll be like this, this Joker, you know, and then he'll do a whole thing. <laughs> right. He's you should get him on hilarious. here. Hilarious. I should. I always love when. Listen, I hate to say this, but I I love it when there's some homeowner who shot somebody for breaking in. He's like he's like and he's he'll go and he shot him. He said, unfortunately, he didn't kill him, and the man got away. So we're looking for. <laughs> tell him he's like we've we've offered to to have the homeowner come and take one of our classes so the next time somebody tries to break into his house he kills him because that's what we do in polk county he's we good, kill people he's a good he's a good old boy he's he great yeah no and, great. and that's what you need to hear you need to hear those things he's awesome that um it makes you want to like live in the united states yeah i right he's i love him um 
I'm sure most people don't, but anyway, <laughs> or some people don't. People, I think people in Florida do. But all right, so he might cut that out. I never know. Uh, okay, so I have a question for you, so, yes. real quick, which is uh, where were you born? Um, Fremont, Ohio, Sandusky County. All right, and um, I mean brothers, sisters. Uh, one sister. My parents are still alive and married for over fifty plus years. Okay, and uh, my father actually 38 years in law enforcement nice followed in his footsteps unfortunately kind of of. yeah kind of sort of yeah um well so you went to you know any problems in high school any no not really i mean uh my parents they sent me through a private catholic school um played sports football wrestled boxed uh i was an average athlete uh, always struggle with that. I always wanted to be, but you know, um, kind of being short, right? You know, comes into into one of the biggest factors. But um, yeah, I mean, it's fucking tall people, exactly, exactly. But um, I yeah, I played sports, uh, got pretty good grades. Um, but you know, of course, I experimented with drinking. You know, and uh, uh, I never thought I could, uh, you know, be good enough for my father. Actually, right. You know, always struggle with that, you know, being good enough. But uh, no, I had a great childhood. Did you, did you, I mean, like growing up, going through high school, did you think you were going to be law enforcement? Like, was that something in your mind? Like, oh, mm. this is what I'm doing. No, no, not at all. I was going to be an artist. Uh, you know, I painted, draw, um, yeah, yeah. kind of like you. Yeah. Um, I was big into that and uh, found myself after graduating, I went to and majored in art for two years at the University of Toledo. Nice. What, what, why did why you didn't stick with it though? What, why not? I didn't see any money. Um, I, st- <laughs> I hear you, bro. <laughs> it was the same thing. I was like, I'm never going to make any money doing this. Yeah, I, I, I didn't see any money. I started partying a lot. Uh, you know, I became, you know, I got into bodybuilding, started being kind of a meathead and didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, you know? Yeah, you certainly, that certainly doesn't fit in with the uh, fine arts uh, college. No. Yeah. No, no, I went from, I had long hair for a short time. Both of my ears peers went through that progressive stage trying to find Kyle Overmeyer and I lost him uh, up in right. Toledo and bailed out of college. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, when I was in, like going to college and realizing that like four of my classmates like lived in a one bedroom together and that these other guys are sharing a car and these guys are taking the bus to school and the, and I was like, these guys are broke and they're okay with it. Like I remember thinking, I can't compete with that. Like I have to be able to make a living. Like these guys are okay sleeping in someone's spare room. Like they were okay with that. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm never gonna be able to compete with these guys. Right, right. So I did the same thing when I, I just did it for a degree. And then I said, I gotta, I gotta go for some kind of business or something that's gonna make some money. Right. So it sounds like you did it halfway through college. You figured it out. Yeah. but. I bailed out, didn't go back to college right away. I oh. worked in odd factory jobs, bouncing around, and, you know, always saw that, you know, my father could put a roof over our house and feed us with law enforcement. He was very respected in the community. So I even went to him and said, you know what, I'm going to get into law enforcement. He said, you're crazy. Don't do it. <laughs> and I didn't listen to him. I put some money together, and I, I paid my way through the police academy. Okay. How much was that? Oh, I think back then it was like thirty five hundred bucks, and they don't give you, they don't have like a, a 
like um, student loans? Uh, no, not through that because it was such a short term. It was only like six months. You go through it about four days a week, and uh, you're out, and you're you're back and rolling again. So you basically have like a certificate, and then you go and you Correct. apply for different departments. Yes, and, and were you hired at the same uh, same uh, place your dad was? Working? I was. It took me three times though. Okay. Uh, the sheriff then, who uh, I'll I'll get into talking about him quite a bit. He. Uh, he was kind of uh, hesitant because I had a wild side to me to still go out and party and, you know, I'd fight, you know, I, you know, I was a wild child still, you know, I wasn't afraid to go out and have a lot of fun. And had you, you been know, arrested? No, no. How does he know that? He just, because when you're in a smaller community, sometimes people, right. you know, word of mouth. And then after the third try, uh, they gave me the nod and they hired me in corrections actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, I started in corrections. That's where a lot of people start there. Yes, yeah, it's, it's like entry level. Like unless you come out of the military or something, a lot of the guys go because it's it gets you into the bureaucracy into handling people. I, right, right, and yeah, getting to actually know the people in the streets because you're dealing with the same people in and out, in and out. You know, daily, monthly, you see the same people, and then you interact with them, and then eventually you do on the streets. Right. <sighs> Sorry, I was just thinking uh, the, the nicknames. T Dog, what's up? Oh, yeah. What's up? Uh, you know, what's up? Three three six. What's going on? So, yeah. Oh my God, Pookie. Yeah, they all got everybody got nicknames down here. Everybody it's, get a street name down here. It's like it's like Billy Bob. You know, <laughs> Jim. You know, Jim. Uh, whatever. Oh gosh, um, Skeeter. There's Skeeter, a lot of Skeeters. Yeah. Um, Skeeters making meth in, in the in the single wide. I kind of for that. sure. Uh, so, okay. So how long, how long did you do? Were you in the, in the jail? Uh, corrections, hey, only about three and a half years. And, uh, uh, I got the opportunity to be promoted to road patrol. And during that time I got real serious about law enforcement. I went back, I got my two year degree in criminal justice. I went back for that and then met my first wife actually. Okay. She was in, in school? Um, she was. She graduated. She was a school teacher, actually. And uh, that was back in, actually, in 99, got married. And I was working on road patrol. And then shortly after, in uh, within the same year, um, one day before our one-year anniversary, she had our um, first child, uh, my daughter, Michaela, actually. So... Yeah, perfect little civil servant uh, family. Yeah, teach school teacher, you know, cop, uh, and you got a daughter, and you know, lived in a nice house. We bought a house and uh, living the all American life at first, you know. Right. And then, um, while I worked in road patrol, I got pretty serious into drug interdiction. The crack cocaine epidemic was really big in our community. What year was this? Uh, Ninety nine to. 2000. 2000 is when I went to the road patrol and things were really starting to pick up. We had a lot of people from Detroit, Mississippi, uh, Chicago coming up, setting up shop. And um, so I got pretty active on the streets. And also I was in, I was on the SWAT team as well. So I, I took a liking to the whole uh, drug interdiction, taking the dope boys off the streets. Right. And uh, I then uh, decided, I'm like, I'm going to take this up a level. And I went back. I went back to college then, right, and uh, finished my bachelor's in business administration. Like you, you don't seem to me like you would be able to. I like to me, you would pull up, and they'd be like cop, like as you know, as a as a um, undercover. Remember what was the chick's name that we that? Do you remember the chick that we uh, did? Uh, she does crime cleanup now. 
remember her. Yeah, she was super clean cut. Like, like she looked. Well, actually, she was a little, little, little um, aggressive looking. But, but, or, or you know, very like right. she, 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 she looked like a cop though too. She definitely looked like a cop too. But people would look at me and think I and think cop. Like I don't. I can you being undercover. Well, at that time, I went from road patrol. Then I got actually I got promoted to the detective bureau for a short time. Okay. I was a, a sergeant. I almost left and went federal, actually. And that's where the sheriff then came to me and said, no, I'd, I'd really like you to stay because you have some talent here into this drug interdiction. I almost left and went to the federal system because I obtained my bachelor's degree. And you need that to get a federal job. And when he dangled uh, the carrot in front of my face to promote me as rank, I jumped on the opportunity. What does that mean? As and uh, I was a sergeant okay. at the age of 27, which is very young there. And then within a year, because I started uh, getting involved with other agencies, boarding up houses, businesses that were selling drugs out of them and making a real impact in the community, he promoted me to captain. I was top of the food chain, actually. Okay. Um, at 28 years old, very young. Okay. Can we go back to the undercover thing again? Well, yeah, well, we're, good. we're getting there right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're did, I, did I jump ahead? He built some of the nation's largest banks out of an estimated $55 million because $50 million wasn't enough and $60 million seemed excessive. He is the most interesting man in the world. I don't typically commit crimes, but when I do, it's bank fraud. Stay greedy, my friends. Support the channel. Join Matthew Cox's Patreon. During that time, my first un undercover, uh, I made some small buys. I actually would go out and make some small buys. And then before even the whole big drug uh, undercovers that I would do, um, we uh, got a, a rash of large-scale burglaries that people were stealing. Kubotas, tractors, lawnmowers. And we ended up flipping it's street terms for turning somebody into an informant or a snitch. Right. Um, we had a guy that um, we had probably with about 30, or 30 to 50 uh, felony charges of uh, these thefts. And here it was an organization of uh, a group of boilermakers, actually, guys, business businessmen that actually had some money. And they were hiring, you know, guys that were hooked on drugs to go out and steal. They'd turn around and resell the stuff and make a bundle of money and they didn't need the money so what what happened was that guy then introduced me to the the ringleader who lived outside the county who didn't know and so i started running around stealing stuff with these guys so when you say a boiler they were running a boiler they were selling they had a phone guys on phone on the phone calling to sell the stolen goods correct okay yeah yeah and they had great jobs they were businessmen they were basically doing this on the side to pocket extra cash so, you can never have enough cash. No, I know. Yeah. I know. Well, cash is king. Seems I already reasonable. know. I know. Everybody always says, you know, you were already making two, three hundred thousand dollars a year, and it's like, well, I mean, another hundred thousand. Well, then you spend that, and you need to make more money. Yeah, but well, you don't know that when you're in, in it. No, no. You know, and besides those, they probably felt felt like they were insulated. I mean, those are the guys doing the stealing. They did. Just and yeah, you're, no, you're right. You're right. And um, it's like the guy driving the the getaway cars. Like, hey, these guys are robbing banks. How do you know? Because I'm driving the getaway car, <laughs> so I'm not involved at all. Right. Right. Right, that makes sense. Um, so, so all right. So you you run around and you're you're stealing stuff with the guys. I was, I was, I was one of them. I actually I went by the name of Bert. 
uh, Bert was my name. And I would go meet with these guys and go deliver the property. They would give us money. But they're crackheads. Well, no, we were taking it. I went right to the businessmen. I went to okay. the top. And I was with these guys that were, you know, basically crackheads. And they were... So the informant inter, uh, introduces you to the head guys. Correct. And I become one of them. You start selling the stuff for him, giving him the stuff. They're trying to sell it. Yep. I mean, is this stuff that's uh, that's already like you guys already have like in the evidence room or something? No, or no, is this... we, no I actually went out and stole stuff from places like uh, like farm, farm machinery place. Yeah, I'd go out and do it with them and go out and with them and then go deliver it and get the money. Well, what about the the farmer? We would go and actually sit down and have a one on one with the farmer and after tell him, and and then, listen, and tell him, yes, and tell him and then they my would be, bad, yeah, and tell him how and then they were really happy with us, All right? Because we're we're protecting them. So eventually, it had to um, all come to an end, and uh, they swooped in on all of us one night, and I was actually arrested and taken in and booked at a county jail. And you go in the county jail with yep. them through the whole thing, yeah, and book, Bert, yeah, Bert went in and. And then, of course, they slid. Do you see people you know? No, they slid me out of there later oh. and got me out of there. But it made it look good. Right. So now these guys have no clue, they really. Had, that they took they took Bert. They're probably like, they took Bert. They had no they clue. They moved Bert. They had no clue until the date of court when I walk in. And, and they said, Bert. And he looks in Bert. And I said, <laughs> no. I'm Detective uh, Captain Overmeyer. Oh. And then, you know what? They oh, were, Bert. Take the deal. What have you done? Take the deal. Take the deal. They took the deal. <laughs> what kind of deal? I don't even remember. Doesn't it seem real? Like I hear some of these things. Like you know, they're they're like you're like trying to get the guy to take like five years or something. It's like five years. That's nothing. Like and these. I'm not doing five. Is it five? It's not. What, not compared to what you did. You've been stealing. You've been stealing shit for six for not for for two years. Right. You know. People don't realize, like, you go on to, like, the, the the fine, the prison sentence you can get for, like, going on to, like, a construction site and stealing, like, a um, an earth mover or a, a bulldozer oh. or something. It's massive. You get into tons of trouble for that. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that's tons of money. Can you imagine the yeah. money they're making? Yeah. I can remember when the copper thing. Everybody was stripping copper out of um, newly constructed. Oh, that. And then catalytic yeah. converters. People are going crazy over that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I have. I actually know a guy that got caught. He was stealing uh, uh, commercial equipment. They were stealing it, putting on the big rigs or putting on the rigs, and then driving to, uh, several states over, and then they would sell it. Anyway, he did like five years for that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, they were. This was back in like the seventies when you got no time at all. Oh wow! Like you, you probably got like ten years. He probably got like ten years and got out in four or five years. Um, but anyway, yeah. Sorry. Now, now Go ahead. You do, now you do Buck Rogers time. You know? Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, it's all different now. Or Colby. He doesn't know. So you were doing that, and then yeah. and the guys take the deal, and then what happens? Then uh, I keep doing a lot of. Uh, uh, you know, narcotics investigation, end up getting into a situation where it starts out as a, a decent sized ecstasy deal where this guy wants to flip. So I flip him and uh, he runs into a multiple, multiple kilo cocaine operation. By accident. That wasn't even what that he was we doing. didn't think we were going to, we bumped into. So we worked a lot with the state agency, BCI and I, who actually ended up busting me, and um, nice. um, the DEA. So um, that guy then, he wants to cooperate. 
So we go in for a meeting one day with him and everybody, all the agents. We're going to do a, a joint operation. And, and they said, well, we want you to introduce you to somebody. And they point at one of the guys sitting there that they usually use for undercover. And he said, no, he looks like a cop. And he goes, they said, oh, he goes, well, who don't? And he points at me and he says, I want that guy right there. And he pointed at me. And I'm like, you scream cop to me, but go ahead. My, I, well, I had my head shaved bald. I had a beard and mustache. I, I, I played the part pretty well. I was a lot heavier too. Okay. So I partnered up for, with him and uh, um, ran around with him, did a lot of Western unions, shipping money over to Mexico, uh, making all kinds of phone calls, buys, even one of the biggest buys, 17 kilos of cocaine at one time. Okay. And uh, we, would, we would rent a uh, storage unit. The guy would roll in. We'd drop the, drop the door and break the tire down. Of course, you know, they patch it down and everything like that. And, uh, and break, the, break the tire down, and you could get 17 keys out of a, t uh, a tire. Okay. And it was good cocaine. Still had the stamp on it coming straight from uh, Mexico. So when you buy the cocaine. Yeah. I mean, who, where's that money come from? That's got to be a chunk of money. The but what's that? The feds, you know, the, the the authorities, they, you know. And what a lot of times, they'll let some money go, but other money, um, you'd wait so far, you know, a couple states away. and Oh, bust them. So they, yeah. they track, they follow the money. So it doesn't look. Right, and right. You don't, and you don't get Three, Just before it goes over the border, they fucking grab. Yeah. I mean, you probably know as well as I do from your experiences you win some, you lose some. Yeah, it's it's the cost of doing business. Yeah, and so well, they're printing the money themselves anyway. So and, yeah, right. it really cost them exactly. And but other than that, the the dope boys they got plenty of dope. Yeah, and they're going to lose some, but they're going to make a lot of money. Yeah. So and that's how we would do it. It was it was pretty simple, and I was pretty good at what I did. I was a great talker. I could. Uh, I had the gift of gab, and I had no problem buying dope. Okay, how long did you do that? Uh, about two and a half, three years worked in it. It was undercover uh, operation. We did that. Um, you know, I did that along with actually my detective work too as a normal detective. So I was jumping back and forth. We'd go out a lot in the middle of the night um, doing buys. You know, uh, I but, mean, it but was you busy. don't do this in your county, oh, right? I, I did some in my county oh, okay. because these guys were coming out of state too. They didn't know. So who they don't I was. know. So you're not going to bump into them at Walmart. Correct. Correct. So um, that lasted up until, um, well, actually, it leads me to what all happened. But I, um, the sheriff who was elected then, he was very impressed with what I've done and where I was headed. And I was, you know, then I was in my 30s, early 30s. And he came to me one day and he's like, you know, you're doing all this stuff and you could be me someday. And, you know, he was in his 60s. And I said, well, you know. I might be interested in that, but you know, you're going to be sheriff for a while. So probably a week after that talk, he dies of a heart attack. Oh, so I'm 34 years old. Well, he like kind of must've felt it was coming, right? I'm, to even have that conversation. Well, I'm kind of wondering because he, why would he have that? It was, it was kind of eerie and spooky. It was about a week prior. And, uh, so, and then there was rumblings. He had talked about it. Um, you either run as a Republican or a Democrat in uh, Sandusky County. And I was a Republican. He had me involved with the, the um, Republican Party because he had this idea. And I would go to the, the events and stuff. And then he passed away. And I thought, uh-oh, what am I going to do now? You know. 
And the Republican Central Committee came to me and they said, you know, uh, Sheriff Gangward had, had mentioned, hey, we'd like Kyle to someday, you know, take over. Right. This, you know, but you're only 34 years old. Right. What do you want to do? And uh, I went then when I was still, I was married. I had two kids at the time. I had my son Dylan at the time too. I had a daughter and a son. And uh, it was a big, uh, it was a big uh, move to even think about doing that because you could lose your job because you, it's an appointed position. You get somebody else's gets mad at you. They're going to push you out of there. Right. So it came down between myself and a 30 year veteran. Okay. And in September of 2008, I ended up running an emergency appointment. It was a, started out as an appointment to an election, and I won unanimously. They picked me over the 30-year veteran at, and at 34 years of age. Okay. And at that age. But that what am I understanding? That, but that's to run. I was it, then, and then I had to run, and then then no, you still have to run, and then nobody ran against me, which was nice. oh okay. So I was, yeah, which was good. Yeah, because I think what they saw was oh my gosh, they appointed this guy thirty four. He must have something, right? So it gave me some clout, is what it did. Okay. And um, but can't anybody can like a a, a regular no, citizen can run? No, no. There are certain requirements in the state of Ohio, and from and they're very strict. And I had every one of them. Oh, okay. Everyone, even from a bachelor's degree to rank for so long, the sheriff was thinking what he wanted to do with me, and line, he lined me right up. Oh, okay. All right. Because I was a sergeant, a captain, and I had a and I had a college degree too on top of it. So it worked out great. So at 34, I was the youngest sheriff in the whole state of Ohio. How long had you been uh, a deputy at this point? Well, from '96, and that was 2008. Not very long. Okay. Okay. So, not ninety six to ninety. So just over ten years, yeah. right? You said ninety six to ninety eight. But that's so not 10, that 12 long, years. That's not that long. Thirty four years old. Right. It's very unheard of, actually, right. to run. You. But it's not like you don't know how things are running. Correct. Like you don't I work know. in every division. Right. I was gonna say because if you come in, like you come in after a year or two, you're like I, I'm still not sure how any of this is really working. Like how many police officers were there? I had. Um, Why well, I ran a jail. I had a. That was my thing. I had a jail. I had a jail, a detective bureau, a communication center, a civil office, and a detective bureau. I mean, I had a lot going on, man. Is that 50 people? Oh, no, it's over 100. Oh, and okay. plus, you have over 100 inmates. You know, okay. so it's, and it's 24 7 operation. My budget was uh, over $4 million. Right. And I had to figure out how to budget that. I had, um, and then with my deputies, I had two unions, and I had to help negotiate unions every three years, and that was a pain in the ass. Right. Yeah. So everything's going good. Everything's going good. I'm married, two kids. The swearing in of it was huge. I mean, it was standing room only. People came out of the woodwork to come see me get sworn in as a new sheriff. It's a big hype. You know, there hadn't been a sheriff, even though the one passed away. Um, he was a great man. I mean, he supported me a million percent. And But when I came in, it was like, boom. I was on cloud nine. I'm not going to lie. I mean, right. I started to get a big head, you know? I mean, I started to get a big ego. Um, I had things going on, um, you know. But during that time was 2008. All the foreclosures were coming in. The budget, I had a big budget crunch. I... Um, 
I had to cut like 300000 out of my budget, which killed me. Which is probably already strapped. It was. Right. It was. But I didn't want to have to lay off deputies. So I had to um, figure out and think outside the box how I was going to figure things out. I mean, I even went as creative as I had my own inmate garden. Right. I had my inmate inmates raising their own vegetables, helping feed them. I even had my own chicken coop there, to tell you right. the truth. I did some pretty unique things where – People were writing articles about it. I had the first ever Taxpayer Hero Award in the state of Ohio because I was saving money and rehabilitating inmates. And um, things were going really good. I mean, really good. And then um, during that time, um, uh, I was diagnosed with arthritis in 2010. I broke both of my ankles as a kid. And... It was agonizing all the time. I get sick and tired. I would go on like vacations with my wife and kids, and you know we'd go hike, and it would just kill me. So I ended up going to a specialist, and they gave me 105 Vicodin a month, and uh, so I started taking those, and that was, you know, good for the pain, and things were good for the first year or two, and um, but then came along what really screwed me up. Um, one night. Um, I just got home from uh, vacation. We were down here in Florida, actually, tell you the truth, in uh, Fort Myers with my wife and children. We get back on a Sunday and get a phone call that uh, there's a man with a loaded shotgun in a home going to kill his family. And, uh, of course, they're they, – In Ohio. Correct. Okay. Yeah, and I'm back. I'm back. And so they call the sheriff right away because right. it's out in the county and, and I have to handle it. So immediately I, I get my family home. I was with my family when I got the call. And I will never forget my daughter's like, this sounds bad, Dad. I get, he, I'm like, Michaela, I've dealt with this stuff before. This is this is easy. Proceed. Can't get him out of the house. I got the SWAT team out there. He's uh, He had just gotten out of prison not too long ago. He did a drive-by shooting and shouldn't even have a firearm under the influence. He's already in a shitload of trouble. Correct. Like he And he doesn't want to go back to prison. No, no. Can't get him out of there. So I'm like, we need to go and get him. Right. So even with myself, I went into, I'm trained. I know what I'm doing. If my men are, were going to go in, I'm going in with them. That was kind of like my rule of thumb. Right. And throw a flashbag in, we get her, he pulls a shotgun on us, and we kill him. Right. And that hit me pretty hard. And, of course, we didn't want to kill that guy, of course. And... um. The family's upset with us. Um, I'm upset. I'm like, man, I, you know, this is all on me now. We didn't want to do that. You know, he pointed a shotgun. You know, of course, I had to, to put the two guys that were ahead of me that actually pulled the trigger. I went in with them, but I didn't have to pull the trigger, but I was right with them. Right. Put them off on duty, you know, until we got things figured out. Um, we even had to go through a grand jury to find out if it was a justified shooting or not. It was a tough time, and I can never forget waking up that day the next morning because it went into late hours because we were going to have a press conference in the media. I looked at myself in the mirror, and, Matt, I was like, I can't believe this shit's going on because the family was just, they were mad at us. They protested twice up and down the State Street, holding up signs, Kyle Overmeyer, um, Brian's blood is on your hands. I mean, nasty stuff. The media was after us. We had a, a newspaper, a local newspaper, just crucified us, especially me, anytime they could get a chance. The guy did a drive-by shooting. 
He's in the house with a shotgun. He will not come out. Right. What, what, like what, what else, what were you supposed to do? Well, back off, let him slowly slip away. Right. You know, or sleep it off. No, because you were going to still put him to danger. So we had all those questions that you're asking, Matt. And you know, it got to the point where, um, we finally got justified in our shooting. Right. And I took care of my guys. I, I got them help. You know, I got counselors and stuff. I didn't take care of myself. So, okay. It's, I'm struggling with it. And uh, then myself and the other deputies get a $20 million lawsuit slapped on us. So we're facing $20 million next. This is from the family? Yes, federally. It was a federal lawsuit. And so that's going on. Who who pays who who pays for your attorneys? Like this is through the the county. Okay, but if the twenty million, they they sued me personally too. Right, but the county still you, you thought you didn't have to go get a, your own no, lawyer. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Okay, but if I would have found if and I'll and I'll right. tell but you, but if how, you lose, it's on me. It's on you. Correct. Right. And you know where am I going to get twenty mil? Right. You know. So we're going through that, and then, ironically, another Sunday we get a call, and you know I'm I'm still struggling with this, and you know trying to be a father, a husband, and the sheriff of a county. We get three kids that are um, fall through the ice in the mouth of the river. So I race out there. We got we get the boat out in that. We lose all three of the kids. They drown in right. front of us. So what do I do? I get help for everybody else. I don't get help for Kyle. So between that and then my marriage is starting to struggle. The amount of Vicodin start to really climb. Right. As time went on, that 105 would only last maybe two weeks. It'd be gone. And so I had to figure out how to take care of Kyle Overmeyer mentally. So, I mean, I didn't want to think I was an addict because the doctor was prescribing them. It wasn't like I was going on the street corner and saying, hey, you know, I need a pill. I need a pill. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. The doctor was giving a, 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 a trained physician yeah. who was educated. I have a prescription. Yeah, exactly. So it's not a drug. So I got to the point where I had my jail doctor. I would manipulate him. I'd say, hey, I hurt my back. I graduated Percocets. They became my favorite thing, the, right. the little Percocets. I loved them. And then I would go from different doctor, a couple different doctors, and everybody trusted me. I was the sheriff, you know? Right. Who would ever think that the sheriff would be in it? But it was interesting because I could get a doctor so easy that I would text them, and they would text me back and say, go to my office. That script will be waiting. I didn't even have to go see them. Right. I got to the point. So Does your – at that point, did your state have the requirements that the doctors notify the state database that yes. you? Oh, they did. The ORS report. Yes, I'll talk. Yeah, I'll tell you about the. I was going to say that. How? How? I mean, how do you think that's going to catch up with well, you? Well, and, and I didn't think because I thought I was Teflon, man. I thought I was Teflon. I was the sheriff. I was Kyle Overmeyer. I mean, my ego got big, and I would go. I would get mine from a specialist. Then I would go to the multiple doctors. But shit, sometimes that would that would run out. So I had to start getting really creative. So we had this countywide take back stuff where the community would come and throw away all the pills. Right. So 
we had like the hub there at the county because we were the main place, and they could they could get rid of their stuff there and store it. So I took it upon myself as the sheriff because. You know, I'm surprised you didn't come out with a program. We're looking for specifically Percocet 50s. You know. <laughs> That's a good idea, Matt. I'll have to write that one down. We're, we're paying pharmaceutical prices before anybody turns it. Really would like one. If you could just have one. If you could just drop off one. Sorry. No, no, you're right. And I, so I went to the point where I went around personally to the agencies and said here i'll pick them up i'll dispose of them just being a good guy i'm being a great guy just people helping people yeah and i was really helping myself i was like putting the kid that was putting his hand in the cookie jar yeah and so i was getting high off that too i had to i mean if not i was gonna get sick i mean i i could tell and um yeah i got so creative i mean and unfortunately it you know, as you well know, and when you're in, in, you know, I went from fighting crime to being in a life of crime, so to speak. I even started stealing from my parents. My parents, you know, both of them went to pain, you know, for pain management and stuff. I went as far as I knew when my dad would pick up his prescription. So I would, Dad, I'll go get it for you. I'm going to be a good son. And you know how they staple? Yeah. I carried a stapler in my uh, car <laughs> to... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, bending the state exactly wow. to make it look. I would hey lining up the. I was I was so bad. I even did that. I mean, I mean, and figure out when my parents weren't home so I could go into their house and steal their pills. I mean, I was a real piece of work. I mean, lying, cheating, stealing. I mean, like my daughter when she got her uh, wisdom teeth pulled. I'll I'll take care of the prescription. I think. I was gonna say, Doc. You know what's real? Which really works well with her, <laughs> right? Percocets are better than Vicodin. Percocets, <laughs> yes. Those are re- those are really the crowd pleasers, right? Um, right. So, so I mean, it it just, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I would never then would have said I'm an addict. Right. I was in total denial. No, I couldn't be the. I couldn't be. Who in the hell would ever have thought the sheriff of the county? Especially me. I mean, I walked around with a Kool Aid smile. Everybody thought I was. Un- I mean, of course, and, and of course I did because I was high. <laughs> but I mean, and it was interesting. I mean, I'd go for speaking engagements, uh, Matt. I mean, I'd I'd have pills in my my uniform pocket. I mean, from the day I or from the moment I woke up, I was taking Percocets until I went to bed. Right. So. And then, but then, luckily, you went to rehab. And you kicked the habit, and now you're here talking to me. And that's that's the whole story. I didn't that, go to rehab. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, so what? So, how many times did you? So, it, during this whole course, are you being reelected? Like you're still running? Yeah, yeah. You have so to be reelected I, every so I, often. I got reelected um, for two terms, four years apiece. Yeah, I was go- I was rolling. I was rolling strong, and uh, and living a life of a lie. Right. Yes. Um, yeah, so during that time, using, 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 and then on February 3rd, 2015, I go to pick up one of my prescriptions for my Vicodin, and I go, everybody knows me, I go to the same pharmacy, and um, I go the, uh, go up, I'm here, hey, I'm here to pick up my script, and she says, hey, Kyle, can I talk to you over the side real quick? And I'm like, yeah, so I'm thinking. You know, this is a pharmacist? Yes. 
And I know her, Leslie. She's a great yeah. woman. And she says, I want to talk to you aside. And I said, we, no, I want to talk to you aside. So I'm thinking, you know what? Somebody's probably buying Sudafed. And they're going, and she's going to turn me on to some fucking junkies. Yeah, you cooking math. You <laughs> right, know what I mean? Right. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, she says, hey, I got to call all those doctors you've been getting Vicodin and Percocets from. I said, huh? Now I played dumb and yeah. stupid, but my, you know, but my my everything's down to my stomach. I'm like, holy so she, shit! So she's saying I have to call them. Correct. Okay. And notify because she looked it up and. Or my, was notified on what you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. The Orr's report to show I was getting it from multiple doctors. Right. I had been red flagged. That's what they call it. And uh-huh. I'm like, oh. And I'm like, okay. And she's like, you're done. You can't. This is done. So this scared me so much, Matt. I went home. I didn't tell anybody about this. I had one Vicodin left. And you know where that Vicodin went? What I mean in, down the toilet. Okay. I went cold turkey, and during that time when I was married to my first wife, and my kids would go to school because she was a school teacher. My kids would go to school. I'd put my uniform on like I was going to work, and she'd go to school. The kids would go to school. I'd turn around because I manipulated my schedule, being the boss. I'd take my vehicle and pull it in the garage and put it down. I'd come sleep in the mornings to detox myself. Right. I was a mess. I was going to meetings sometimes, and I'd be nodding off because I was getting so sick because I didn't have I didn't have uh, the Percocets or the Vicodin anymore. Right. And I and I had to hide this, and I was I, I was researching stuff so much on the computer, like how can I get through this and stuff. Even like sup. I mean, I was like desperate, but I stayed the course. I mean, I really stayed the course. So how I'm long like, did that take? Oh my gosh, I mean. Up until the big spot, I was still struggling mentally with it. So, I mean, several months. I mean, to get that out of your system. They say the the fog of that takes 18 months for the opiates to get out of your brain. Okay. And, I, and I believe that. I can see that from what I went through. So, that's 2015, and I'm coming up for re-election for the primary again. Well, Kyle, I'm pretty, you know, I'm still out there being myself. I'm cocky. I'm doing my thing. Nobody not figuring anything out. Well, wait a minute. What about the report? So it got red flagged. Like, but, has it been shifted to the DEA or anything? Nothing. Now, no, no, listen, not yet or nothing. So what happened was then I'm getting ready to run for re-election again. Well, I was a Twitter guy, too. And so I'm on Twitter. I go by Young Sheriff. Right. I had fun. And I had rappers following me, porn stars. I was following porn stars. Uh, one of my favorites, Jenna Jameson. And um, she even reached out to me, to tell you the truth, because her father was a cop in the crazy. So this gets thrown out in the media when I'm running for that uh, sheriff of the county follows porn stars. Oh, my God. My wife was just like, what is wrong with you? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, they're human, too. They're, they're, making they're, they're, they're paying taxes. Her dad was law enforcement. Yes. So Jamerson, who I didn't know. Yes, and so I did. I I said I mean, like such a nice person. So I said, oh, I must have accepted or um like you know, followed him by mistake. They had articles about it trying to ruin me. Well, actually, people were coming up to me saying, hey, yeah, I like you, man. Yeah. You're human. You're cool. I watch porn and all this stuff, and I'm like, 
okay, I like I like that rapper. You know what I mean? These right. guys. I was getting street cred out of it actually. Right. So um, I go into the probably not voters, but I did listen to this. <laughs> I win the primary. Right. Sixty two percent of the votes. <laughs> Okay. A landslide. I, I still got the newspaper article of it showing it on the landslide. They tried to crush me. And I'm like, well, I, I'd rather them try to crush me with that than my dirty little secret. Yeah, yeah. So it's getting time and um, my marriage is rocky. But I, of course, I hide that because you want to be the all-American sheriff and family man. And, you know, want nobody to know anything. I'm still struggling mentally. I'm not going to lie. I mean... Do I still, am I still thinking about Percocets every damn day? Right. I mean, there's still, you know, like sugar plums dancing in my head, you know? And I hate to say it, but they were. And um, I can just see the, 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 the TikTok now where it's, it's, it's a picture of him. The guy puts little, little sugar plum. Go ahead. But, and um, I'm running then for the general. I get a phone call. You're, Oh, the general, general election. Because then okay. I have two more opponents coming. Okay. And that's coming up close to the fall. And I get a phone call from prosecutor. The state prosecutor? The county prosecutor. Okay. He's like, hey, we need to talk. And I'm like, and I get along with him. Great. I mean, we're cool. Yeah. I'm like, so he's like, come up my office. So. Oh, man. I'm like, what's up? <laughs> man, they're looking into you, dude. I'm like, why? Well... They're going to run this ORS report on you. They said, yeah, I'm like, no, nah, man, no. You know, I'm I'm still in denial. Yeah. I'm I'm holding to my story. No, it's I said, you know what? They're they're out to get me. They want somebody wants my job bad. I said they already tried the porn star thing. That didn't work. So they're going to try this now. So I go with the flow. Well, it's a deep state. Huh? It's a deep state. Yeah. So <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going, I'm in denial. Shit ain't going to happen to me. I think I'm, I still think I'm Teflon. And they put the dogs out. They started really combing and doing it. And I, you know, I'm getting phone calls and they're investigating. Yeah. Okay. And I, then August 23rd, 2016 comes, they were going to take it all to a grand jury. I didn't know what they had. I thought, I thought I had it in the bag. So we had our, First day of our opening county fair, the right. County Fair, which is a big thing for anybody that's an elected official goes. I'm there for the ribbon cutting. I'm in my uniform, shaking hands, kissing babies, you know, being the great sheriff I am. And I had, I, I got myself an attorney, too, because in case something happened. Day goes through. I understand nobody's come to talk to you. Like, other than you getting the tip-offs, it's not like an investigator ever came to say, like, Oh, they did hey. one time. They oh, did they did? And guess what? Okay. They gave me an option. And what they did, they said, um, if you can take a drug test, we'll drop that. Well, I did. I took a drug test and passed. It was after I got clean. And right. I was clean at that time when they were started to sniff around. And they didn't drop it. You know, You're not. I, I'm not going to sit you know, here and you know, you know the deal. I'm not going to sit here math. and listen to you say that the process, the prosecutor would lie <laughs> or not live up to their obligations. Right. I get it. It's not you, not you, in the, not in this government. No. You know the deal. Yeah. So 
Like they well, don't ask, they don't do, they don't do anything. Nothing they're doing is to help you. Like, well, if you take a lie detector test, like you're not trying to clear me. Oh, like if I, oh, so if I pass it, you'll drop everything. Yes, we will. Because they're really just trying to hem you up. They, they threw that option at me too. And I said, no, I'm not, that's, that's voodoo. I'm yeah. messing with it. You know, and they're, they, they and it wouldn't matter anyway. It doesn't hold up in court. And it doesn't say, matter. It how. wouldn't matter anyway. No. If you passed it, that, that's all everybody thinks. Well, if I take it, I pass it. They said they'll drop it or it'll prove. No, it no. won't. They'll just say you beat it. Right. You they, beat it somewhere. Right. They only say take this so that you hem yourself up so they can use it to get a confession. You know, take a drug test so that he fails it so we can get a confession. Yeah, but what if he beats it? Does it matter? Uh, then he got clean. We're, we're going to go forward. Like, no matter what, they're going forward with their theory. They're not trying to exclude you. Right. That's why we want you to talk to us so we can exclude you. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Stop it. Well, so August 23rd, 2016, ribbon cutting. That night at 630, I get a phone call. You better turn yourself in. I said, what's up? They got a 43 count indictment on you. I don't know how many numbers you have. I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was a lot. Probably that many. <laughs> It was. If we, if I mean, you Donald start Trump stacking, just got thirty-four. I was so going to say, yeah, it was, I'm sure it was, numbers there was tons of them. There was there were lots of them. There's, you know, yeah. But you plead guilty, and they say, look, if you plead guilty, we'll take these sixteen and condense them to one, and these four and condense them to one, and these twelve and condense them to one, and then it ends up being like, you know, still in my case, it was like twelve. Yeah. Well, actually, we'll talk about that. It's interesting. Um. So they they locked me up. Uh, I went in, turned myself in. I locked. Yeah, they locked me up. Uh, You're the sheriff I in in your county. Uh, they booked me there, and then they took me to adjacent county. What is the what is the fucking staff doing? They got to be walking around going they were, like they were. Holy they were. Shit. They were like oh, they felt uncomfortable because they really liked me. They respected me. I was a good boss. I was a good boss. Right. And I always treated my guys right, and um, so. I go to court hearing the next day. They give me $150,000 bond, and I'm still holding true to it. I'm telling my family, this is bullshit. You know, this is, I'm not an addict. This is, you know, I, I wasn't doing this, blah, blah, blah. You know, I got yeah. arthritis, and uh, um, I bond out. And this is a time of re-election. I keep rolling. I keep rocking and rolling. Can you believe what my... And that's what I did. Nice. And I, and they came out and and they asked me what what my comment is. I said I'm gonna fight. Yeah. And I was ready. So I got out. I continued to do debates, and I I did great in debates. And people would bring stuff up, and I knew how to sidestep it. I was yeah. a manipulator, you know. I mean, I was a drug addict, so I knew how to manipulate everything. I was yeah. a con man. So the next thing um, I did was um, the parades. I marched and I would walk those parades and it was crazy, Matt. It was like something out of a movie. People were coming off their porches, hugging me, saying, I'm praying for you. I'm you, I, I, you got my vote. We're going to support you to the end. I mean, people were supporting me. They, <laughs> you imagine you're, you're in, you get picked up and the, like two days later, you're in your jail cell and the guard comes by and says, you won. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, but it was it was crazy. People were supporting me. We were doing. I had uh, I had I had a crew that was helping me, a team, and doing like phone calls, like who you'd vote for. Yeah, my numbers were through the roof. So this is like Donald Trump. Yeah, like <laughs> indicting him is the biggest mistake you could have made. It did. It made me more popular. It was crazy. So I'm doing all that. 
I'm still acting crazy. Um, I got a girlfriend. Right. I got a girlfriend. And so, is you, you got a girlfriend at this time or you had her I had prior, one. I had prior one. to this? I had one. I had one prior. And I'm out. And, I, of course, I'm still out catting around like an idiot. And I'm assuming the wife's not okay with this. She don't know nothing about no. it. Okay. Okay. That, what, did the girlfriend work at the? No. No? Oh, no. No no connection to it at all. Just no. a like they waitress say, that you came you across you or something? Or you what? don't shit where you eat. Right. Okay. Uh, no, somebody that I knew from before and worked at a different company and still doing my thing, thinking that I'm on top of the world and I'm going to beat this. I'm going to beat this. I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here. <laughs> I would say, I'm gonna say things are not looking good. Well, I mean, I mean there's I, turning points, Matt. I mean, you know, when when you start getting the phone calls, you know, and the, and it starts really, and then there's the indictment, and that a lot of people would have said things are not going well. But but you know what, I was, I think my ego got the most. No, maybe a, no, maybe this that's much. not true. Maybe this much, Matt. Okay. My God. Don't say it's not so. Go ahead. Okay, so, so what happened? So it's getting time. It's getting November. My son's going to be 13, and um, he wants a crossbow because he wants to go deer hunt. We had went through a um, hunter safety course together. So I went out and bought him a crossbow, and uh, I get a phone call from my attorney. And they say, um, he says, hey, did you buy a crossbow for your son? <laughs> For his birthday, I said, hell yeah, I did. He says, you know, you signed that paper of no dangerous weapon. It's I mean, crossbow. You're going to be getting a subpoena. For, oh, my God. I said, for what? And I said, I don't even possess it right now. He goes, I don't care. I said, I took it to my father-in-law's. He says, I don't care. Don't he said, uh, they need a hearing. They're going to do a hearing with you. And uh, they want to They want to revoke your bond. Who was, is this prosecutor? And, and, I mean, this guy just totally. It was, it was, it was a female, and um, she, and, and they, I said, revoke what? Come on! And he's like, no, they're gonna. So November third was the hearing. I go to take my son to school. He says, and I'll never forget this. He's like, Dad, am I gonna see you after school? I said, Dylan, I got this. I said. Watch me. I got this, Dylan. I'll see you after school. Ugh. So I go to the hearing, and uh, they put me through the ringer. They had all kinds. They had followed me and everything else, and um, they had a good eye on me. And I think, you know, of course, I think somebody was telling all my moves. Who knows who it was? But they ended up uh, revoking my bond on November 3rd, 2016, put 250k on me no 10 percent you got to have the cash and i couldn't come up with 250k i mean i had a couple guys that could have put some stuff together so they took me to a like a couple county over jail of course i went in there i knew people i mean they knew who I <laughs> they so can't I, put you in general population it was a, it was a general pop they didn't think they would know me over but I did. I ended up actually. I ended up breaking bread with the dude anyhow, and made some ramen noodles. So, you know. So I'm I'm pretty good at that stuff. So I'm there, and I'm like, you know what? It's time. So this is this is where I actually surrendered. I this was my breaking point that I had to deal with my addiction, and the truth, 
if I was going to have any kind of relationship with my children and my parents, my mom stayed like to yeah. this day. I talked to her on my way here. I mean, she was the ride or die. Yeah. And I told my mom, and my, my mom knows there's addiction in our family. I, I, I broke the news to her, kind of told my dad, even though my dad and I just never totally saw eye to eye. He was proud of me for being sheriff, but there was always just that that wall between us, you know what I mean, that mm -hmm. could never be broken. And, But my mom was good. I never could admit to my wife then at first and my children. So I'm figuring this out, talking to my attorney, and so I strike a deal. I strike a 12-count deal, 12-count felonies. Right. Like you just talked about. Yeah. And... He served over a decade in federal prison for bank fraud, and he still owes the government $6 million in restitution, but he's good for it. He is the most interesting man in the world. I don't typically commit crime, but when I do, it's bank fraud. Stay greedy, my friends. Support the channel. Join Matthew Cox's Patreon. So I began to sit down. I went to my first AA meeting in there. That was the only thing I could do anything for self-help. Right. And I'm like, we, I got to do something with myself. I got to go get some treatment. I'm still struggling mentally. My ego's out of control. I'm, I was in denial. And, you know, this shit's got to stop if I'm going to, like, have a life and see my family. So I wrote a letter to the judge. I had, like, probably 30, 40 support letters from the community, from people that were very well-respected. And uh, I go December 13th, 2016, they take me back. And the judge, I mean, the, the, the room was crowded with media. That was a high-profile case. Yeah. They even had a live camera on my residence to see what was going on in my house, live at Kyle Overmeyer's house. It was crazy. Uh, you know, a TV van just. And the judge says, what do you have to say for yourself? And I said, you know, I'm an addict. I need help. And I'm sorry. You know, I love my children. She told me I didn't love my children. She told me I was a narcissist. And you know what? Basically. The was, judge was female? Yeah, yes. And I turned around to the, all the media. And I apologized to some everybody for, you know, everything I've done. And I, I lied and manipulated. She says, you know what, Mr. O, I'm going to give you the best treatment in the state of Ohio if you need treatment. I'm sending you to prison for four years. Yeah. Yeah. Because they'll help you there. Yeah. And I thought, holy shit, what am I going to do now? What did you think was going to happen? What was your lawyer saying? He didn't say anything. No, no, I'm saying, what did he, he say? He what did he say to expect? I'm uh, saying, he didn't really tell in. me. He didn't really tell me. It was, uh, I mean, at the end, it was, it was just, it was, we kind of broke off and I didn't get any really good vibe or advice from him at the how, end. How long had the doctor shopping been going on? They went all the way back when I first started getting prescriptions. So is this two years, six months? They charged me all six years back. Six years? Every time I went, every time I went to the doctor, mm -hmm. every time they handed me a prescription, the paper, and then every time I went and filled it, they triplicated all the charges. And they got me with theft in office because I had a, a fund that they said, they of course, they'll do this too. They got into my fund, it was an FOJ, and charged me with all this about, because um, I you. Um, use the credit card not enough miles away for to use a hotel, which I didn't actually use the hotel. It was 
one of my workers, but I signed for it and all these other things. They charged me with that. I had to plead to that. I paid all the money back, $21,000 I paid. They got me for all this. They went back and I sh that they said I should have used it out of a different fund line and I used it out of this fund line. So they charged it for theft in office. I didn't physically you steal money, but they said because you used it, they can charge you with theft in office. You're, you're making it sound like, like the justice system is unfair. Well, I think there's a little tilted scale sometimes, but, <laughs> and they charge me, they charge me with not, because in ethics, being the sheriff, you have to, everything that you're like, um, any kind of credit cards that you're coming, I forgot to write down a credit card that I owed $150 on, and they dinged me for that too. A personal credit card. So I got 43 count indictment, I got to 12. Four years, and then off to solitary confinement for 30 days was my first 30 days was in the hole. Okay, so well wait, uh, let me let me backtrack. I get to where I'm supposed to go for two days, and I get on the phone with my then wife and kids, and they say, <clears throat> my wife's crying. My kids are upset, crying. They're all on the phone. I said, and you love another woman. And I said, what? And they said, your jail phone calls have been played. You got a girlfriend. So they had taken my jail oh my phone God. calls and played them in the media to not only crush me, but they buried me. <laughs> they tried to bury me. They wanted me to break physically, mentally, everything you can think. They, they did. And I know they did. Why, why else would they have put those phone calls? Look, the guy's going to do four years. He's lost his I was just saying, why, why isn't losing your job and losing your job, having to pay the money back, getting sentenced to four years, why isn't that enough for this prosecutor? Like, well, I don't understand. What, what's the problem with the prosecutor? There Was there animosity between the I two of you? No, I, was there? I, I never knew her before. I didn't know her. But it was just, I think that they thought I was pretty arrogant, which I could see that. Right. Was I, was I an addict? Yes. Um, did I do those acts? Yeah, I took responsibility for it. But that's how my my wife then and kids found out. And uh, um, from that point, it was tough. I didn't talk to them for like 30 days because you're in the hole. You don't, I didn't get any phone calls. Right. And, then, and it came at Christmas time, which is unfortunate. Bro, like you ever do uh, you ever do whole time stuff? Fuck yeah. Okay, you you know what the deal I is. I came out I came out on the newspaper uh that I was bribing a fucking that I was bribing a bribed a politician and that I was talking to the FBI about it. So I so on the newspaper at the medium where they're stabbing each other, snitch front page. Not good. It's not good. I did I only did like 45 days. Yeah, you got me by 15. You know, yeah. I did like 30 and then But I'd already been acclimated. You came off the street, street practically. And then I went right to the hole. Right. I'd been locked up a year or two, about about two, three years before that. So I was already. Yeah. So yeah. you, so mentally, I'm already okay with hanging out by myself for 45 days and reading books as opposed to coming off the street. Like the, the shock to your ego that that has to be is crushing. You know, like I would see guys that came in that were multimillionaires, for instance, come into a jail. And they're the, the, they take it harder than the guy who lives in the project who's been in and out of jail all the time or right. some guy who's been. It's much, much harder on these guys because 
they can't believe that that the guards are talking to them like this. They can't believe that they're eating slop with these people that that they wouldn't that couldn't get through the gate at their you know in their gated community. You know, so they're just like in shock. Yeah, yeah. It was it was interesting, and but you know, you know, and, and you know, the only time you know when it's it's time to eat. You hear the concrete, the wheel on the concrete. You know, yeah, yeah. that's it. There's no, there's no clock, no nothing. No, no there's no, there's no, uh, there's no Apple Watch. No, no. Well, I did see Apple Watch as a present. I'm here to tell you. Did, well, yeah, <laughs> but I'm saying you're money. locked up in that little room. You don't know dark. It's, no, well, you kind of you know when it's, when it's light. Correct, you, but barely. Barely. Yeah, I was gonna say depends on where the building is, how much light hits that window that you can't see through. Um. Yeah, we, I used to say that. Like, I knew the day had gone by when it was like you know it, you just count the meals, right? And that and that and that's that's how I went by. And during that time, I, I laid in there. You know, of course, it, 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 my life was taken from me. My children. I mean, that's all that mattered to me. I mean, really. I mean, I had to get it through my thick skull in there. What the hell was I going to do with myself? And I'm like, I'm not going to be a better criminal. Right. Am I going to get my shit straight? Because I got four years to do. Well, you're not a very good criminal because you know you you knew the saw you know the report was being made. Yeah, but I didn't think I you know I didn't I, think it was going to catch up with let, me. Let, that's not a good criminal. <laughs> like you so so that's why I'm not a criminal today. I right. I was going to say that's yeah. So yeah. So I did my time, and then I get out, and uh, you know, of course, like any other person would do. Um, you know, I apologize to, you know, the first phone calls to my wife then and kids and, and, you know, it was going to be over with because, uh, um, you know, I cheated on her, you know, I cheated infidelity and, and I didn't blame her, you know, she's a great woman. She's a great mother. And, you know, I did wrong. So of course the divorce process was started while I was in prison. I got my divorce papers while I was in prison. Right. Um, you know how I told my son, I'll see you afterwards, mm-hmm. like my daughter? Yeah. No, not for four years. Really? No. They didn't want to see me in that capacity. And you know what? I don't blame them, Matt. Who wants to see their father like that? Yeah. And um, so I talked to him every day. And I built that relationship every day. Talked to my mom, ride or die. Um, no more girlfriend. That broke off. I had to because if you start anything in a in a from a bad position, it's only gonna get worse. Right. So why continue that? You yeah. Know? So that broke off. And uh I started working on Kyle Overmeyer every day. I journaled. Um the first day of course I jumped off the bus. They everybody knew I was coming. Everybody you know, in there everybody it's like yeah, yeah. they you know, it's like they got they got their own phones. Hey, Kyle Overmeyer's coming. Mac, you know, Matt Cox is coming. So they were like, hey, come here, man. I know what you're, what's up, man. Hey, I want to be your friend and that. And I'm like, what? And he's like, hey, you want, you want to sub you text? I, I heard you like perks. You know, we got oh, what up. a dick. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> it, was, it, it was this gang member. I still today remember. I looked him up the other day. He's still in there doing life for um, murdering his uh, uh, girlfriend. He'll never get out. And um, I said, no, I'm cool, man. And that's probably would have been my breaking point. That would have been my breaking point. Um, I came in, they, they sent me to protective custody at first. Mm. I met some good guys in there. I started to learn the ropes, um, who the store man was. I'm sure you knew what a store man yeah. was, you know, um, 
got acquainted with them, got, you know, everybody I knew, the weed man, the weed man ended up being the barber who I got really close with, but I didn't, you know, I didn't do any drugs, but he had been in there for um, 25 years for murder, but he taught me a lot before he left. Actually, he was in the the riots of, um, Ohio had riots in 93, and he was in the riots. And so he taught me a lot, and uh, I started to understand how to move while I was in there in prison and and how to be an inmate. So, okay, you're you're a drug guy who's locked up with murderers. Mm -hmm. Like how, I mean, that. Yeah, it's interesting because it continued. Like I was, I was gonna say, you would think that that would be a lot of times they'll they'll move you into like a you know where they they kind of they kind of group you into different people and they ship you off to a different prison that's like hey right. this is really for this guy, or those guys had been there so long they'd worked their way down they knew they just weren't in any trouble. Well, that was in protective custody because there were oh, some of okay. them at first. So I was in there for a few months and then in protective custody. I don't know if you know anything about it. It's controlled movement. Yeah. And you know from doing your time, you want to be able to move. You want to be able to live. Yeah, yeah. The, the control movement sucked. It, it, yeah, it sucked. So I signed up to sign out, and they were like, "That's dude, well, that could be it, a problem. I could go bad quick, dude. Did you really?" And they, and they like, <laughs> and, the, and the warden was cool. He was like, "Do you really want?" It? I said, "I want to do it." He goes, "If you do this, you can't ever come back." I said, "That's cool." I said, "I'm good with that." How long were you locked up before you did that? Oh, I can't remember. It was like, I don't know, six, eight months. But okay. I mean, I had four years to do. So I get, I, I went to, uh, I went from protective custody to general, but um, yeah, I got, I got tried by somebody. Um, it was funny. Uh, I mean, it was a gang member and not any gang members that I got along with, but I mean, he kicked coming in and coming in the, the day room, you know, how they'll come in the day room. He kept barking and he caught me on a bad day. He wanted to bark at me and call me out. I said, Let's go. And so, of course, going with Sal, I have my um, my my bunkie, do 6'5 for me. Is that what you guys call it, 6'5, lookout? It must be Ohio talk. Yeah. But yeah. anyhow, I let him go on first, of course. Bang, bang, bang. Took care of him. And I got respect after that. So okay. there was no issue. How many people are in this prison? Ooh. I mean, you know, there's several hundred in there. I mean, because there's the, the floors. And, and and you know what's interesting in general pop? I continued to be in there with people to, um, for murder and stuff. Actually, one of them that was in there, there were, um, he had 11 bodies in one day. He was called the Easter Bunny Killer. Look him up. He just died. His last name's Rupert. Um, he's got an interesting story in Ohio. He was in there for He lived around the corner from me. He, <laughs> he sat and ran the, uh, read the Wall Street Journal all the time. Was uh, it a mass shooting? Uh, he killed his whole family. With what? A gun? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, it was on Easter, so they called, called him the Easter Bunny Killer. That's clever. He was in there with me. That's clever. Yes. Isn't that interesting? So, uh, um, yeah, he lived. One of my bunkies was a gang member. He shot tattoos. And um, my actually, my, my first Father's Day when I was in there, when he did, um, I had him shoot my kids' names on him in honor of him. Yeah, I had to bring home, uh, I know, maybe you a did. A memento? Yes, I, yeah, souvenirs. Yeah. So I got those, and he would have the, he did He did great work. Um, he was in, in, uh, in a gang, and uh, he'd, we'd always hide that uh, tattoo gun in the wall, and yeah. you know, nobody would ever find it. And uh, <laughs> So I think I paid him like, I don't know, like 20 ramen noodles for it, for about two tattoos. I got a great deal, you know? 
So I brought that home. Um, my my then my workout partner, like my first workout partner in there, he was uh, a blood that was a Muslim too, and I'm Christian, you know, and um, I got intrigued by his religion. So I'm like, look, you're praying all the time before we go work out, and you got a rug and everything. Seems like a lot of work. Yeah. So I'm like, <laughs> I want you got you got an extra Quran. He's like. Why? I go, I want to read that thing. I want to know what your religion's about so I can understand you. He's like, sure. So he gives me a Quran. Well, comes up March 22nd and it's Ramadan. Right. So what do I do? I fasted for 30 days with him too. I did Ramadan. I wanted the full effect to understand his religion and respect it and not get so close minded while I was in prison about people. Right. So I could understand every culture. So I, I, I started to experience that, worked out a lot. Did, there was only a couple programs in there that you could do for anything for like drug rehab, which were everybody that was in that, um, they would drug test you every week. And guess who was the only one that never come up positive? Me. All right. So spent my time doing that. So the judge was right. Was, yeah, you're all right. better. A lot, a lot of there's programming. Yeah, they, they even help. though I was seeing people smoking crack and shooting heroin, right. I mean, it yeah. didn't matter, you know? And. So, I mean, I, I tried to experience and educate like you did yourself. Um, I went back to college again while I was in there. I could, with a community college. Um, it was for um, actually uh, substance abuse and addiction, which now I, um, I just finished it up um, at home. Um, I'll have my CDCA, which is a chemical dependency counseling license, where I can be a licensed therapist with my bachelor's degree. So I figured I'm just going to spend my time wisely while, while I was in there, and I got a free education. Right. Um, then they had, um, which is an interesting story while I was in there, um, black history month. So they had an essay contest. So guess who wrote an essay? Okay. Yeah. So I wrote an essay. <laughs> you like this story? This, <laughs> this, this, what was the essay? The essay was, I wrote about Martin Luther King while he was in the jail in Alabama. So I get a knock at my door. He was also a Republican. He was. He was. Yeah. And he was investigated by the FBI, too. Did you know that? Yes. Yes. So <laughs> I wrote that, and I get a knock on my door, and the woman comes, and she's like, I'm looking for Overmeyer 692183. And I'm like, that's me. And she's like, no, God, I must have the wrong room. <laughs> and I'm like, no, that's me. So I, And she's like, you're white. And I'm like. Still allowed to enter the contest. Yep. So I got a free chicken dinner out of it. And nice. She, and she was like, "Chicken dinner? That's just wrong." I know. Fried chicken. Fried chicken too. So wrong. And it's and, the, and it's kind of symbolic. It was Lee's famous recipe, and I'll talk about that next right. in the story. <laughs> so, and I'm not trying to advertise one, but great chicken. So, my sponsor. So, anyhow, she she apologized. She's like, "Hey, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have been like that. Being judgmental." So, um, end up. Uh, Doing uh, doing that, but then I end up, ironically, back with an old college friend. Right. And um, this is the guy you worked out with. Um, he he was the next one because then the other one shipped off to another prison. He because um, he he the other guy shipped off to another prison. So um, I ended up uh, in college, University of Toledo, when I was in the bodybuilding. And that um, I had a friend there. His name's Greg. And I end up back with him. I had met when he was 19 years old. He was doing 10 years for manufacturing steroids. So ironically, we end up back together and general population together. 
and we're workout partners, which ended up being good because we're good support system for each other. We're pretty sound mind and we pretty much have the same idea. We're going to get the hell out of here and we're never coming back. Right. So Greg and I end up back and forth together. And then also during that time, somebody got a hold of me on JPay, which is the email system, a girl. And then I started seeing some other girl, which. While you're in prison? Correct. Yes. Of course, you get lonely, you know? Yeah. So I end up with uh, striking a relationship with another hometown girl, you know, going through a divorce, thinking that's going to be the one because you're thinking that because you're locked up and that's all there is. Yeah. And, um, well, you're in a desperate situation. Just anybody that pays attention to you is like you, it, you're, they become all consuming because you're connected to the outside world. Yeah, yeah. And you're always thinking about what's going on in the outside world. But then most of the time you're trying to pr- pretend like you are in the outside world. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because, you know, you did time. You get it. You, you do think about what the hell is going on out there while I'm in here. But you got to shut that shit out. So I got involved with her for a while. Then um, when I get out, I stay with her for a short time. That falls through, boots me out. I'm homeless. Right. I get out. April. I got out April 6, 2020 was my official date, and I'm on parole. And I'll never forget going by this dollar store. I'll never forget this. Calling my parole officer. I got six bags of old clothes going I'm homeless and I know I need a residence. What do I? And she's like, get me something because I don't want to send you back, you know? Right. And she was really good with me. So they didn't send you to a halfway house? Oh, I did do the halfway house for a short time, not long, at the end. And then then that's where I ended up with her. Oh, okay. And then then I ended up homeless. Yeah, the halfway house was a mess, too. Yeah. That's just a joke. Yeah. And, uh, you know. Yeah, 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 it's bad. bad. I I would have rather done, if I didn't need the money to save money in the halfway house. I would have rather done my time. I'd rather done the time. Yeah, yeah, you might as well just be locked up. It's it's a mess. So I don't know where I'm going to go, but then there were these two women that actually were dating in that, and I had known – the woman, her and her girlfriend would send me cards in there. They were older women, and they really supported me after I went away. And I was on um, one of the um, one of the community college boards. I was a, one of the board of directors, and I got to know her. She worked in the library, and she became very fond of me, and I was always good to her. And um, I knew she had a couple of rental properties, and, and I'm like, oh, maybe she'd let me just flop in one. I call her. I'll never forget calling her when i am got my sixth gate garbage bags and she's like i don't have anything but i got a spare bedroom with an air mattress you can flop on it so right it was a place to flop so i flop there i call my parole officer she's like okay i can cover you at least you got it you got an address so i got an ankle monitor on too they had me on an ankle monitor too when i got out one of those big clunky yes yeah yes so i go there i flop there and i need a job so who the hell is going to hire the disgraced sheriff in his own county so i had a friend who owned two least famous recipe chicken places okay and that's how ironic that was what you got in prison is right so i get a hold of larry and larry is a super good guy He's the most outside-the-box thinker you'll ever meet. 
He'll take the shirt off his back for you. So I call Larry. I says, Larry, I need a job, man. And he says, 9.50 an hour, you can start frying chicken. I said, I'm there. So I go. I'm back in my hometown where I used to go with my deputies to eat chicken. Mm -hmm. So I'm in there frying chicken, you know, doing my thing. A lot of people coming in and out. And people start taking pictures of me. Mm -hmm. People that I used to work with in the community. Right. They start putting them out on Facebook, making jokes out of me. I mean, really, it's it was kind of disgusting. And they wanted to crush me. Right. They did the wrong thing. Yeah, I was gonna say that's like if if you if you think that you're gonna say something or take a picture of me and humiliate me, I've already been to prison. Yeah. Like this is nothing. No. You think I can't take some shit? I've been talked to like I was a fucking dog. I was, yeah, right. I was a number. Right. Like you posted your picture and made your comment. Yeah. Like so, good for you, bro. I mean, and so they they even did that to me. And one thing I forgot to talk about when I was in prison. I had a lieutenant that was had a hard on for me in prison too, mm-hmm. because who I was. I don't know if you guys had the same rules. You had to keep all your vitamins in the same bottle that you purchased them in. Yeah, well, I mean, that, if yeah. not, it was contraband. Well, I had a few vitamins that were mixed into another one. They did a shell cell shakedown. Guess what? I got charged with a contraband ticket, and the next day, guess what? I call home to talk to my kids. Right. And my. They mailed it home? Listen, even worse. Kids said, we just read the newspaper. You're back using drugs again. Oh, my God. Fucking I scumbags. said, what? Fucking scumbag. I said, right? no, what are you talking about? You got caught with pills, and they think they're prescription. I said, listen. And, and, and I, I mean, I took everything for them to believe me. And finally, I'm like, I went to the warden. I'm like, look, this is this is wrong. So they what they did is they went and took the had the, jail, the prison nurse. And they compared them because I got them off commissary. Right. Well, finally, and it had like, and I'm like, look, this has ruined things with my kids. I've been staying clean. Look what I've put my family through. Right. They did that, and, and, and I'm sure it was him. He leaked that. They leaked that ticket. Yeah, yeah. And they had, I mean, there wasn't probably a month that went by while I was in for four years that I, there wasn't an article about me. They still continued those articles, but I had it took forever for them to understand my kids that I was clean. Right. I mean, they tried to wreck me, and then I go out now back to working, you know, frying chicken, and these people are still trying to crush me. Right. And I'm like, okay, you better have more than that to get me. Yeah. So I was still flopping at um, the, the woman's house. And her name's Deb, great woman, love her to death. She's like my second mom. And uh, she wanted me to stay forever. She's like, you can stay here forever. I love your company. You know, I bring your breakfast home. I bring your chicken home. I, you know, I was good to her, you know. She right. goes, you know what, if you're going to let me live there for free and you gave me a place to lay my head, okay. So I was like, it came to a point where I'm like, look, I got to do something. I got to put some money together and get out and try to get back on my feet. And... um and during that time, to, to cope with my addiction, I was going to a lot of NA meetings, too, Narcotics Anonymous. So I'm going to a lot of meetings. People knew who I was. They embraced me, of right. course, at Narcotics Anonymous. And I ended up meeting a guy that was running a facility up in Sandusky, Ohio. And he says, hey, you know, why don't you stop over 
tomorrow and uh you know i'm maybe we could work out something for a job for you you know i was making 9 50 an hour frying chicken yeah yeah and uh i said well i gotta get approved i said because i got an ankle monitor and you know i gotta get over there and so i did and he gave me an opportunity to work midnight shift looking over the um people in the facility kind of baby babysitting you know yeah to uh for 11 an hour to get a better job so as time went on i got enough money to scrape together and guess where i went and got an apartment at well, in, in the hood where i used to kick doors in right. <laughs> all i could afford right so i started living in the hood okay yeah <laughs> so. i stayed i listen i stayed in the spare room of the where i for 18 months before i could finally save up enough to no, get an yeah. apartment yeah so i was there i i, I didn't I, I i left frying chicken they celebrated the day they thought they were proud of me i mean really they were they got me balloons and teddy bear i still got the picture of it you know right yeah i mean i had long hair i was a lot heavier i mean i looked like a different person and i went from there working over there and then i started really coming out talking about my shit. right and i publicized it and i think a lot of people wanted me to like run in shame and i owned it instead of renting it yeah that's yeah, a mistake to hide right and I'm sure the newspaper that was running all those stories, I bet they did a big article on you and about when I yes about they, how did they they, they did they, a, a decent one a or decent one. Oh, okay. I thought you. Because, were, I was gonna say I thought you were. They well, were gonna be like, oh, we're not interested oh, in that. No. After time went on, because I started sharing my story on Facebook, right? And I started um, helping people. People were reaching out to me. I was getting them into drug treatment. I was working up at this place, and um couple of newspapers reached out and they wanted to i even got a um i got a nice letter from a u.s senator actually right. sent me you know saying hey i see what you're doing with yourself i was i was shocked you know and uh then you know i was divorced i was building the relationship back up with my kids which was going pretty good and uh dating a few other couple girls here and there and then uh from april of 2020 then april 22nd of 2020 my world changed um i met jennifer and uh she uh, reached out to me because of my story and because of a mutual friend we uh started dating and six weeks later we got married i know crazy mm, that's how long so how, how long ago was that how long have you been married a little over two years now nice and um so i was gonna live in fremont and commute down to Columbus, Ohio, until I could find some. Six days after we got married, I got a phone call when I'm eating pizza. Some guy who owned a treatment center saw me on Facebook, offered me a job in Columbus working in business development. So I went from 11, 15 hour frame, or working in a treatment center, right. to actually having a decent job. And then her and I started figuring things out and saying, you know, if you're gonna do this thing full go, and talk about this thing, and get out to people, we started the, the organization called KO Addiction. Okay. And uh, I saw the hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yes, you need to you need to market more. Need a hat. Matt. Yeah, yeah. Those are definite. <laughs> and no, I, I started going out, sharing my story, and helping people in treatment. I went from one facility now to another one where I'm a regional director and helping open a, a behavioral hospital, and. Uh, then doing podcasts with you. Right. 
and staying clean. Right. I in, I interviewed a guy. Remember the guy? Was he in California? Where was the guy that runs a treatment center? He was in Denver. So was he in Denver? I, I remember like throughout all the prisons or something. Yeah, well, well, they leave prison to go. They there. leave prison to go there. Yeah, I, I have to get you his number. He's he's yeah. got an interesting treatment center where little like the guys go there and they they work like you know for free. It's yeah. almost yeah. kind of like the Salvation Army, where it's like right. you work here, you're basically getting paid nothing. No, that's um and and literally like some of the guys the treat there, there were such addicts and had not been able to recover ever. That literally after being there, like, it's like, I forget, it was like an 18 month or two year program or something. And then when they get to that point where he's like, okay, well, I mean, like, you know, you've completed the program, you can go. They're like, they don't want to leave. They're like, can I, is there any way I can stay? Wow. And it's like, they're like, because although, you know, or the ones that do, they have like a huge recovery rate or, um, or you know, um, they have a, a huge um amount of people that are recovered but a ton of them like they just don't want to even leave because they're like this is a such a good environment for me even though he said he said he also has the guys that come in they're like man they're not paying me they're not this he's like well you can leave right like you don't have to stay but this is the program because your little six-week course doesn't work you know what i'm saying like i mean what do you want me to do you want me to go do an eight-week course i'm not gonna fucking change you no. like that's not gonna you know no. you need come and, and then of course, he also, I think he has the, where they keep coming, the guys that do leave, they come back for continuous treatment because it's like, it's like AA. It's like you, you know, like you have to keep going back all the time. The moment you start saying, ah, I don't need it anymore. Well, that's a problem. Well, yeah, and and, and the goal with that, I, I don't re- regularly go to meetings anymore. Right. I've been clean for over eight years. Uh, I go talk to somebody a couple times a month though. Right. I mean, and I, well, I mean, to think you've got it licked is a mistake, is what I'm saying. Absolutely. Like, you, you need to constantly, you know, like that. That's to me, it's it's like um, if somebody brings up prison or anything. Like, I never shy away from saying, "Oh, bro, listen, uh, I was in prison. I did this. I did." Like, I don't try and cover it at no. all because I feel like, like that's just not good mentally. That's not good. It's not no. a good. No, and that's why that, right. I always say, look, I screwed up. And yeah. that's why I try to take res- full responsibility for everything I did. And that's probably why I didn't have a hard time frying chicken in front of everybody. Yeah. Because you know what? I screwed up. And you know yeah, what? Yeah, it's just part of it. It's this just, is just part of it. It's the cost of doing business. Right. And you're going to move forward. If you don't like it, don't talk to me. Yeah. No, I think that humility like helps you be so appreciative of life oh. a- as opposed to being having all your shit together and making a bunch of money and having all these people like that's you know a lot of times like that that narcissism and that ego is what like i always say like ego like my pride has gotten into me me into more trouble every bad decision i've ever made was because of pride every single decision i believe that every bad decision anyway i think my ego was the biggest problem with my addiction I mean, if you think about it, man, right. because that 43 count indictment was because of my ego. Because you know what? I should have asked for help. Yeah, I was going to say, if you could have said to yourself, if you could have admitted to yourself, I'm not perfect. I'm not I'm not bulletproof. I, I, I have problems. I'm not this perfect individual. And there's an issue here. You could have fucking headed off all that shit. You could have said, "Hey, I like. I'm sure that the. I'm sure that your benefits would have paid for you to go for thirty or sixty days to a program. You know, what I'm saying, if you'd gone in and said, "Hey, look, here's what's going on. Here's the problem. 
I got a fucking problem. I need to fix it. I got to go to a fucking rehab. Right. I've got, but instead you're like, I don't fucking need any help. I'm good. Well, just like what you said, the pride got in front yeah. of me. And, and you know what? I, I couldn't, I couldn't ask for it. And could I do it today? Probably because I don't want to be that guy again. And do I believe that people can change? Look at you. Look at me. I think a lot of people say, oh, it's hard to change a human being. If you want to change right. for the right reasons, yeah, you can change. Yeah. I'm still kind of a dick, but a I'm working. I'm really, I should be You're honest, I'm bit. not even working on it that hard, to You're be not. honest. I You're like sure. to say, well, you know, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm, I'm not. I tell, I tell my wife all the time when she's like, hey, listen, and she tells me something. I'm like, I know, I know, but I'm working on it, and I, but I'm not really working on it. I can, Just I, trying to get through that moment. Like I always tell my wife, I can be a dick, but I'm not a bitch. There you go. I hear you. And you can't say that word in prison. You know that. That's yeah. Um, that's, um, that's bad juju. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Boy, you had a hard time. <laughs> the releasing I, the shit to the fucking media. Yeah. What a dick. The, how can you not? How can that guy do that? And how could you kick back? But, you know, there are those guards that are such fucking scumbags that like he thought to him he's like yeah fuck him <laughs> it's like what's wrong with you bro yeah and you know i mean he was like one of the only ones and and it was interesting because here i am coming as a cop i learned all the tricks to the trace i knew how all the dope was getting in right i mean those guys trusted me in there right i mean it was interesting it, it was i mean i'm i'm you know i'm making breaks i'm sure you've made some breaks while you're in prison you know, I don't know. with ramen noodles Turn oh them into bricks like breaks yeah. okay yeah yeah might be different term federal state. I don't know, I, but I mean, I sat around, you know, making breaks with all these guys. Or you're saying breaks? They call them breaks in there. I thought you meant because you know how it looks like a little brick. No, um, they call them breaks in there, like a big bowl, like a casserole, and we'd make them out of ramen noodles, they pizza bowls. Oh, I made a pizza Cadillacs. Bowl for my they call them Cadillacs. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Federal, they'll say, you know, give me a Cadillac. It's breaks in Ohio prison. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ramen they would. Noodles. No, they, they would take ramen noodles. Yep. And they would take refi, refried beans. Oh yeah. And cru- listen, and I'm telling you right now, the shit's good. Like it's not like like, you know, you would get it and eat it and be like like, yeah, I hate to say this, but this, like, if I didn't know that this has about three days worth of sodium in it, like I'd really be enjoyed that. I'm also thinking I'm dying right I, well, now. Well, I know, and and you you don't think about that until now, but oh my gosh! And then I knew guys that worked in down in the kitchen. And they had this contraption with bags. They'd tie it and put it in their bag, and then they'd smuggle shit back to me. And so I'd do trades with guys all the time, too. Yeah. And I'd have extra food from down there. I mean, yeah. I Stealing from the kitchen is like a full time gig. Like, that's like oh, guys that, will be like. That's a full time hustle. Yeah. They don't, they're not working there for the, for the, they're not for <laughs> no. the $12 a month. No. No. It's no. the stealing. No, but no prison. And, but, you know, yeah, during that time, I mean, I did, you know, while I was sheriff, you know, between the drugs and the cheating on my wife, I mean, I, and the three P's, power, pills, and pussy. I, I right. lied. That's what it was. And it, it got in my way. And the pride. Don't forget the pride. Yeah. Yeah, you should go with four. You got to throw four in there. Four of the pride. No, you made a good point, Matt, because, but you and I wouldn't be sitting here talking today. You know that? Yeah, if I'd, you I'd went have passed. your I'd shit have, and I would have went through my shit. I'd have passed on this. No offense. I, you, you know, know what? I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Have, I wouldn't. Have, I wouldn't change. I wouldn't change my past. Oh, I really wouldn't. I, listen, thirteen years. I had a. Well, yeah, you I, did it longer. I, I, I four versus. I could have done without it. No, I, I get that. I get. You, know, you probably could have done four standing on your head. You know. Listen, I honestly, it, I was so crushed. If they given me like eighteen months, I think I'd have been all better. It'd be like, look, I, Your Honor, I get it. My bad. 
I mean, I, I honestly like as soon as you go, you know, that that going from here down to here, it's like it's so it's so humbling, you know, which I without without a doubt, I needed to be humbled. I mean, there's no doubt in my I, mind. I, I, I too. 13 years of it was like, yeah, it's like after a few years, it's like, look, I get it. I get it. I'm all good now. Yeah. And I agree with you. I think after, you know, 18 months, I, I would have got it, too. Because think about it. Here's the, the worst part of it. People are like, oh, the time. Forget about the time. If you give somebody six months, you've devastated their life. They've lost their house, their cars, their credit shit. They're, they're, in in yeah. a way, I would have been better off. I would have been worse off if they'd let me out after a year than they did. Because at least when they let me out after 13, I got to go to the halfway house. My credit was, there was no credit. So I got three secure credit cards. So by the time I left the halfway house, I have 750 credit scores. I've got a job. I've got some money saved. I've got, so if you'd let me out after a year, I wouldn't, I, I would have been on the street. I wouldn't have been able to ha- save any money. Right. My credit would have been crap. Mm-hmm. I would have been like, I don't, I wouldn't have done anything. Like it would have been probably more devastating after a year. So really, just by locking anybody up for six months to a year to 18 months, you've devastated their life. So that extra 10 years doesn't do shit. You're right. Except for cost the taxpayers an extra $400,000 or whatever it costs. Right, them. right. Because it cost about half a million dollars to keep me in prison. I believe that. That that's just that's just what the from just the bureau. If you then say, okay, well, you could, if you go back in and you add in, if you were to go back in and add in like the loss of the tax revenue that I would have paid in, like it ends up being outrageous. It ends up being over well over a million dollars and then some. And just think about how many people are incarcerated. Like in Ohio, there's 28 prisons. Right. And there's almost 50,000 inmates. Right. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a ton. I mean, that's a whole, that's a, that's a whole uh, county. You know what I mean? I was going to say, my, my buddy Zach and I were talking about this the other day. We were talking about how they say, you know, that like 1% of the, uh, of the United States population is in some sort of supervision, incarcerated or on probation. And then what he was saying was, he's like, he's like, yeah, but you know what they don't take into consideration? They don't consider the people that are currently in jail waiting to be um, waiting to be tried that haven't been found guilty yet. Correct. They're just being they're just incarcerated, waiting to be found guilty. Or so if you add that back in, you're probably over well over one percent. Oh yeah, they're just sitting there idle. That's all yeah, they're, they're doing. Yeah, and I, I knew a guy that was five years. He sat in the oh. five years. Could you imagine that in the county too? Because the county's horrible. Oh, county, I hate county, county time versus. Uh, yeah, I'd rather go to prison. I've been to th- yeah, prison. I've been to three different county jails. Yeah, in between everything. It's horrible. Um. So you're writing a book? Yes. Hopefully, as you well know, it'll be out by the end of the year. And you were just uh, what was the magazine? Was just uh, the magazine. A recovery today. Recovery today. Yes. Been in was that. I supposed to mention, was I supposed to mention that? Yeah, you can. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. It's already been here. Sure. No, that's great. Sure. Yeah, no, and uh, continue to do speaking engagements, working, and uh, coming to see great people like you, yeah, Matt. Yeah. And uh, that's true. Yeah. That's a plus. Yeah, absolutely. And we're both the same height. Yeah, you might even today you're taller because I noticed you got I you got boots like on. I have Cheated. boots on. So yeah, I noticed. I, I should bo- wear my timber. I don't own anything without a heel. Oh, I I did. I wore flat because I just did. you fit. Would you? Well, I didn't because I was coming on your. Hey, I didn't was I didn't want to rain on your parade coming on your territory. <laughs> you so I had flat shoes. I, you know what? I still have my Timberland boots from when I was in prison. 
and I wear them. Oh, I, yes, I, never, I, I, I yes, wore sir. the boots they give you. The plastic. No, I ended up getting a pair of Timberlands. I traded them for a deal in there, and I still wear them. My wife's always like, why do you wear those? About? I said, because I don't want to go back to her. It makes me think. Right. It's kind of a trigger, like, don't forget where you came from. Oh, I still so, have. I still so I got my Tims. I still have blue jeans that. Um, that you got from there? Yes. I, still I got blue my jeans. stocking cap. I got a hoodie that I paid two Snicker bars that somebody made for me. I never. You know, I only bought. I Okay, now I had about three pairs of new shoes, I think, since when I was there. But I only put my personally purchased one pair of shoes the whole time because when guys would leave i'd say hey bro you're leaving in like a month they go yeah i go what size shoe are you and they tell me i'd say would you leave me a pair of your shoes they go fuck yeah cops yeah. i'll leave them my buddy pete bought me a pair of shoes one time my cousin bought me a pair of shoes one time because i wouldn't do it they were like you cheap motherfucker no i'm not doing it i'll no. never forget um they had those bubble tvs but you had to have a title for it in there you had a tv yeah well listen well listen i got my hands on this bubble tv i i i traded two boxes of laundry detergent for it to a i couldn't stand him like and 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 something else i should talk about you know child officers you know they're not well respected so i had one doing my laundry every day for a um a pack of cookies a month right <laughs> we had a <laughs> we had a uh uh uh, you might want to bleep that out. I'm not sure if that's going to be okay. What about child molesters? Yeah, well, saying it, then oh. then sometimes YouTube will be like they'll oh. it'll show up Sorry and they'll that. they'll demonetize. You so, can fix that. Yeah, he he'll okay. probably fix it. Um, but I was going to say I uh, um, there was a guy they called Mr. Cookies. Yeah. No, no, they called him the Cookie Monster. <laughs> he would give guys a pack of cookies if they would like the young guys that come in they're like 19 18 whatever they come in mm -hmm. and he would he would give like if you'll just show it to me i'll oh give you a packet gosh. and there were literally <laughs> there were guys that would go once a week he only do it like maybe once a week he would go once a week and say hey man can i get some cookies and they, the guy would be like well i mean you can and he's they go yeah yeah no i know the deal bro and they walk so you literally the guys would be sitting around like you'd have the and I hate to say it, it was a bunch of Puerto Rican guys. Oh and my god. So this one Puerto Rican guy said he said, We're sitting there, listen, Cox, we're sitting there. And one of the guys goes, uh, man, you got anything to eat? I'm like, nah, I got anything. I, I missed commissary. What about you? Man, I got nothing. I got some soup. And I said, Oh man, y'all want some cookies? And they go, Yeah, yeah. He go, All right, I'll be back. And he'd walk off. He goes, He came back with some cookies. And then we were like, Where'd you get the cookies? cookies? And he'd go, man, Mr. Cookies, you know, cookie monster down there. All you got to do is they'd be like, oh, oh, man, that's wrong. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, was, my gosh. Guys would come up and tell me random stories because they knew I wrote stories. Like, yes. I'm like, yeah, I don't think that's going to make it into one of my stories, but I do appreciate you telling me that. That's an interesting one. The cookie monster. I saw a guy use bologna and turn it into something, too. Oh, my God. Yeah. There's some, there's some deeply disturbed people. Very disturbed. Yeah. And very creative. Yeah. Yeah. Very creative in there. Yeah. Very creative. I used to love the guys that would get the dirty pictures and they would put tape over it. They'd make it waterproof and then they'd go in the bathroom and slap it onto the, they take soap, rub it on the thing and slap on the thing, slap Ugh. it on in, in the shower and be, and be in there. And yeah. Just, you know. Yeah. And do their thing. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> Boy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't miss those days. No, no. I don't. You could rent. Like they had, some of these guys had, had like, not Playboys, but whatever. They had like dirty books and you could rent them. You give like a book of stamps. You got to keep the book for, and it was like, wow. <laughs> what is going on with you guys? Have you no self-control at all? I got better for you. There was a cell up by the, 
the the like the bubble where the the female corrections officers would come into. Oh yeah, listen, the, the gunners. <laughs> <laughs> or with these, you know, the snipers with the guys that would be really so, far, but the gunners would walk right up on them, so, put their hand in their pocket. Hey, how are you doing? Well, or this guy would always rent his cell out so they could do their sniper. Yes. From a distance through the window. And oh, and I would always say, why is your box full? He goes, well, let me tell you why my box is full of food. Because I rent this baby. I'm like, you got to be kidding. Oh, yeah. And yeah. sure they did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah creative business. Creative oh business. So many disturbed people. Yeah. Listen, what's up with these cops? What what, what that 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 female? Could you see that female cop yes. that was banging like five of the of her deputies? I know. What's going on? I, I was like, know. this is these cops. What are they, they got sheriffs? What are they doing? I don't know. Maybe I need to go out and do some consulting. I mean, you, know you mean? need to stop by, swing by there and say, hey, look what it did to me. This is bad news, bro. Chet. Do you want your? But no. Yeah, I mean, my life was out of control. Hmm. I'm like night and day now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all better. I'm all better. I'm not, a, I'm not all time. better. It's a bad time. I'm not perfect. No, uh, I'll never be. Uh, progression, never perfection. Um, <laughs> yeah, you have to, yeah. What was I telling somebody on the phone that, uh, you know, I was going to say that there's certain people, like, like, you know, people get to, you get to a spot where some people excel. And a lot of those people self-destruct, right? Yes. And so you go, okay, well, I don't understand. If I was this, I'd be so happy. But the truth is that you, it takes a certain type of per personality type to excel and be the leader of an organization mm -hmm. of some type, you know, and to be able to have the confidence and um, the ability to to be able to tell people what to do and take control and be and and, and you know, kind of ooze that confidence and that people trust and they follow. But the problem with that is what comes along with that is a certain amount of narcissism. So you have that, like you don't ever get some weak guy at the very top no. who's, you know, cause nobody follows him, they don't respect him, they talk about him, they, 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 you know, he doesn't do a good job, nobody trusts him. And so it falls apart very quickly. So it's there's a there's a a, a a balance there that some people they just they self destruct. Lots of people self destruct. They're like, I don't understand. This guy's making millions of dollars a year, the CEO of whatever, and he and he's embezzling on the side, or he's doing this on the side, and he does this, or he's got a girlfriend and a whole other family. Right. You know, like like that senator that has like a whole other family. You know, over here, like what's going on? Or he's he's seeing prostitutes on the side. He's Client number seven, or you know, it's like, what are you doing? You're you're a senator. You're this. You're so, and you you should be happy. Your wife is gorgeous. You've got great kids. You've got right. Well, to get to that position, you have a certain amount of narcissism and your ego and your pride, and you start to think like you said, bulletproof, and then you self destruct, and people don't understand why. Because if I didn't have those things, I would have never run for office or tried for that position or wanted to be ahead of that team right. or wanted to, I wouldn't have never pushed myself and done those things because why doesn't Paul do it? He's been here 25 years because Paul can't do it. Can right. he? No, you're not going to vote no, for Paul. No, no, you're, you're not going to right. But like, how did you do what you did and how you, you got back and you bounced back like you did and how am I bouncing back? Now? Right. The same thing. you got to have a little bit in you. Yeah. Yeah. You got to As long as you don't have a lot. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the constant, <clears throat> That's constantly telling myself that, like, ooh, like, calm down, 
Don't get excited. You know, you're not all that. Because listen, I, 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 listen, nobody, nobody, I, I got, you know, I've got like fans and people that leave comments in the comment section. Bro, you're amazing and I could listen to you all day. Like I promise you, no, none of you guys think I'm as cool as I think I am. So I'm, and I'm so, <laughs> you know, they're like, bro, you're the best. You'd be like, I think, you don't even have to say it. Say, <laughs> I already know. It. I, I almost, <laughs> if, if I didn't live with Jess, I'd probably tell myself that in the mirror. I'd probably look in the mirror and tell myself that. But the truth, but the truth is, is that so I'm constantly kind of having to tell myself like, bro, there's, you are, you're a couple of, you're a bad month or two from, from basically from being on the street. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're not like, you're not all that. So it's constantly, I'm in my head telling myself, calm down, be happy, you know, get, get your head straight, be, you know, be appreciative of what you have, be humble. You're not all that great of a person. Mm -hmm. You're not that like, I'm constantly doing that to myself because I know deep down inside, like I want to go nuts. I want to, you know, like I think about committing fraud. I think about you know, <laughs> money. I think about I could be driving this. I could be doing this. Yeah, doing, no, like, I ooh. get it. But you always think there's more, there's better, yeah. or you can make yourself happier. Yeah. Like, and I can and, pull it off. I can do it. I can pull it off. Yeah. Can, they, they won't catch me. And oh, I, because, because why? Because they didn't catch you before. Like, they caught you over and over and over again. Yeah, right. this will be different. And and <laughs> like I didn't think they would catch me, and they got me. Right. And like you just said, you know, Jess and my Jennifer. They keep us grounded. That's what my yeah, wife does yeah. for me and my children. And we have things to live for. And we don't want to be behind those walls again. Yeah. Yeah. I think. <laughs> poor fucking Jess. This this chick, I feel horrible for her sometimes. She loves you, yeah. though. I can tell. Yeah. Oh, she, yeah. And, and, but, my, and my wife loves me. I tell you, she was so yeah. supportive of me coming here, you know. Yeah. And, you know, you got to have balance in your life. Yeah. She also knows I'm just like a complete douchebag. Like I'm like, I'll, I'll read stuff and I'll be like, look, 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 this guy said this and this is that's hilarious, bro. These guys love me. And she's like, they don't know you. Okay. She's like, calm down. Okay. He doesn't know. He, he doesn't realize that you, you know, you don't pick up your clothes or that you don't do this or that you make a mess and do this. Like he, he, and you, everything you say is funny. And that if you fuck up, you can turn to Colby and say, Colby, fix that. Check that out. <laughs> I'm going to start putting random comments. How wonderful you are there. You don't have, bro, read the comments. I should take all the comments and just read them. I honestly, I don't, I think I would, I would just die from the, the, the euphoria would just, I'd cause me like a, a, to have a stroke or something. <laughs> if I sat here and read like a hundred comments in a row, you know, it would, it would be, it's insane. Like for every 30 comments that say, this is amazing. You're amazing. You're a great guy. You're funny. You're so funny. I can listen to you all that for all of those. Every once in a while, then there's some guy that says you're a piece of garbage, lying scumbag, snitch, motherfucker, rat, piece of garbage. Like, and for, unfortunately, like that's the guy that I'm like, yes, but did you subscribe? Did you share the video? That's what I would say. Too. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, those, unfortunately, the guys that say you're wonderful, I'm like, yeah, that's not worth a comment. I'm going to comment to the guy that says I'm a piece of garbage. It's just horrible. It's horrible. It's just yeah. stupid. Yeah. No, I get it. I get. It. I get negative shit too. I, I the and negative I, stuff. I I, I I love responding to those I guys. I I like it too because it turns me up about two more notches. Yeah. It, it's, I'm like, say, what else can I do? You know, to piss somebody off. You know. You know those guys. What's really funny is when you answer those guys and you go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and before you know it, after about six or seven back and forth, they suddenly go. You know, bro, I'm gonna like erase my comment because like you seem like an all right dude, man. I, I feel I feel like I I I don't know what I was thinking. Like you're I'm like I was really just trying to drum you up and I ended up getting a buddy. Yeah. Like 
So. Hey. Spin people. It's like in prison. You spin them. Good times. Be a spin artist. Good times. Yeah. All right. What are we doing? Uh, the opera? Yes. Unless you have something else. No. No? You good? I mean, I'm good. I'm good. Scale one to ten. Talk to me. We've had some good gaslight. Well, listen. What was what was um uh say I always call him Chip, but he he didn't like, he didn't like Chip. It's Wade. Remember Wade? The uh um the um the story was uh it was the stand your ground law where the guy attacked him in his kitchen oh, yeah. and he He's shot him. The Carolinas. Yeah, yeah he he really well. he runs a uh he was he was a great. I mean, totally different story. Right. Um. But he was a great, great. Uh, he he told a great story, like from beginning to end. It was, it was. I did, I I did interrupt him a lot, a lot like a lot like I did you. But I think you did a good job interrupting, because what it I, does. Listen, is, don't stop. I think I'm amazing. I get it. I think you're one of the best looking guys I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> okay. Oh my god. Uh, send the money to my wife's Venmo. <laughs> Listen, we were, I was picked him up from the airport. We were driving, and I shifted, and I looked down at his arm, and I thought, oh, my God, he has little, like, his arms are tiny like mine. He has little tiny hands just like mine. I was like, oh, my God. I go, how tall are you? And you know what he said? Wait, it was. I said 5'7 on a good day. 5'7, like I say, 5'7 with a good pair of shoes. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. You guys, you guys both have art degrees? We, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, two both, years. Yeah, we're both in art. I have a degree in fine art. Yes. Yeah. You have. And I and I don't I do, do not do this. No. And I'm gonna buy yes. I'm gonna buy a painting off you someday. I I want you to I buy know, one. I know. I already heard how long it takes. What? It takes a long. It take it can take you a long time. And what for what? I, the extent of some of these big paintings. I heard no for a big one. These are screen prints. That's pretty cool. So what happens is her face and hair are actually a screen print, but I paint. So I paint in all the colors. And then I screen print it, and then I paint the X's and the little, um, like the little uh, uh, skeletons, and I paint the little X's on the eyes, and I go back in and touch them up and stuff, and I put the line around it. So it's partially a screen print. So, but these I sell cheap, like three hundred bucks, and that's to mail it to them. Those are cool. So the the so you know there's there's not like a huge amount of profit, but I, I sell a lot of them. Um, but the bigger paintings I paint myself, and that fucking that have takes you ever a long done time. like personal people like the, the people that say hey I want to. Painting of myself. I painted this guy's uh, kid the other day. I painted. I've done portraits for people. I've done. I'm painting a guy's wife right now. That'd be cool. Yeah, uh, which is going to be pretty cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I do stuff like that. But you know, th- that's the, the difference between that is like this is like three hundred bucks, and I mail it to you for three hundred. Yeah, no, that's, as opposed that's to a great deal. Do you want to pay fifteen hundred to two thousand? What about? Uh, for a I mean, I think paint? this would be an outstanding one. Do you think I could get a Matt Cox one? Of Mac of me, uh, so I'm gonna put it on my ceiling of my bed. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? I will give you what I actually have. Hold on a second. <laughs> oh my gosh, I got Matt Cox. Here we go. This is gonna be the best. Oh, listen, I, do so, I get one? Yeah, you can take one. So, listen, I have a Patreon and I give away a different con man painting every month. So, like last month, I did. I didn't. I I think this is cooler. I did Matt Cox. Right here. I gotta look, have. Look, I gotta have look, a Matt Cox. Oh wait. Right. Look. Can, look. Can you, yeah. Look. Huh? That's pretty cool. <laughs> it'll it'll fit in my in my backpack to take home. 
Or I can mail it to you. I can mail it to you. No, it will cost you money. I don't want to. No, it's like it's like. Just carry it. It's like twelve bucks. Look, and then on the back, on it'll the, fit. It'll fit my backpack. I, uh, if you say so. It's free. I want to see. And I got. Money. I can wrap. I can wrap it up in uh, yeah, in, in bubble wrap. And then I put on the back. You know, of course, I do the real. I do the whole thing. They're both of you, aren't they? Yeah, they're both me. Do you and care if I take the green? It's my favorite color. Oh, she wants the green. No, oh. she said this is the better one. Um, and then I put down. I put like who who it is. But I do different ones. Like I do. I, Pon- I got Ponzi. I got all of them. I got all kinds of different stuff. I love I it. I thought that's cooler. You don't think that one's cool? Well, why? What's the difference? Well, I, just because this one's more colorful. That's all I was thinking. Flip them this way. What do you think? You tell me. It's your, it's your painting. Yeah, it's your preference. Yeah, it doesn't Maybe matter. Pink. I, no, I'm, I'm. I get what you're saying because it looks more like uh, you know. It's kind of more pop artish, like is what I'm saying. Andy Warhol. Yes. Did you have a lifestyle like Andy Warhol? No. Okay. Lifestyle. I was waiting for. He was. So which one do you think? Flamboyantly. Hey. Yes. Yeah. Would you believe that? We're, we got a lot of similarities. Isn't that kind of weird? Maybe we're, a, we're my, brothers from another mother. My dad did get around a lot when he was younger. Yeah. But you're, okay, man, I have, you're better looking than me. I already told you. You told me I may be one of the best looking men he's ever seen. Yes. Can you believe that? <laughs> I know. All right. I'll, I'll take this one with me. I mean, you can take whichever one you want. I think it's freaking sweet. I'm just saying. Um. Oh, listen, I'll show you. I'm doing uh, some Jokers right now, right? Because you do the Joker smile. Yeah, I know. I, I, know I have you it. do. I know you do. So I, I did. I did. I'm going to show you this, this, these set Jokers I do where I put the um, the whole thing's covered. It's a panel that's covered with comic books. Then I screen a Joker over it. I got another screen coming so I can put in letters where so it says, um, it says, uh, um, do I look like a guy with a plan? And then I've got another, the screen also says. I think it says I'm just a guy. No, no, it's do I look like a guy? The other one is, oh, why so serious? So, but I'm gonna show it to you, super cool. Oh, I bet. And then I'm and I'm gonna pour, it's not this size. They're, this is, these are big. They're like three feet. And then I'm gonna put, um, what is it, epoxy? Resin, yeah. yeah, resin, well, it's epoxy. Yeah. We're gonna put resin over it, so it's, Super! I'll show you, man. They're they're cool as hell. I like that. That's one of the things I want to start doing. Is that I could I could um I I, I should pay you to do a prison one of me. Um, you a prison. Yeah, this is a screen. You could do it, bro. I have to. Yeah, I send these away for for Patreon. I'm saying I can get a buy a screen mm-hmm. and then just screen them. Well, so I screen them and then paint them and then screen them again. But and no, then I draw I the line around. I could have you do one with my my prison mugshot. Yeah, you know what? Yeah. It'd be pretty sweet. But my my wife will love this when I bring it home. Nice. Yeah, I think I'll do the pink because you know what? It's that pop arty. Yeah. So I'll give you a book too. I get a book. Oh, you're with the shark on it. Well, it, it's Is got a shark the, on it. It's got me and a shark on it. You're kind of a shark. You're yeah. not a guppy. You're a shark. Well, the reason I did that was there was an article when I was on the run that was called um, Sharks in the Housing Pool. And it was about... Me, it was about people that are were committing fraud in real estate, and then when they catch, then eventually they do another article, and it's sh- the feds catch a great white, something like that. You got one on uh, Amazon to download? Um, I do. My wife downloaded it. Oh, did she? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, I also have a physical copy. Well, I read one. physical. She does the. Yeah. She's got an Amazon. I don't do that kind of stuff. I like physical copies. Okay, well, I got you. Yeah. I got you. Man, you're taking good care of me here. I mean, you flew in. I. 
well, you know, feel I only I don't feel super obligated. I feel semi obligated, but I, I do feel obligated. Why? Like <laughs> you paid to, to fly in. It was. A, I think it's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's going to be fine. Yeah. And I the the guy in Canada that does the the shorts, he'll cut this up. You and so you'll have a bunch of little shorts, little reels of you. I'm sure he'll cut this up into some different things. We need to get a good picture of us setting here too. Yeah. I, what do you think? Because I want you know I need to wrap this up. You know we're still on, right? Oh, sure. Okay. Yep. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> He was, gonna, he was gonna. He was gonna cut it out. So no, he he probably won't. I'm leaving most of that in. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. That's good. We were having a great conversation. Yeah, it's good. Plus, it's you're good. look what you're doing for me. This is great. What a momento. All right. Thank you for coming. By the way, thank. You. Thanks for flying thank in. Yeah. Thanks for the invite, though, Matt. I, yeah. This was great. All right. I'm uh, okay. So Colby just gave me the nod. All right. Hey, so I appreciate you guys watching. If you like the video, do me a favor and hit the subscribe button. Hit the bell so you get notified of videos like this. Also, share the video to as many friends and family as you can. Um, if you're wondering, hey, Matt, I don't understand. Why, aren't your vi why isn't your channel blowing up? And why don't you have new more subscribers? And why aren't you getting more views? It's because you're not sharing my shit. That's why. So share the video. Hit the subscribe button. Leave me a comment. Even if it's a mean comment, that's fine. I'm good with that. And uh, also, I wrote a bunch of books when I was in federal prison. Uh, I wrote a bunch of true crime books. So uh, check out the trailers, and I appreciate you watching. Using forgeries and bogus identities, Matthew B. Cox, one of the most ingenious con men in history, built America's biggest banks out of millions. Despite numerous encounters with bank security, state, and federal authorities, Cox narrowly and quite luckily, avoided capture for years. Eventually, he topped the U.S. Secret Service's most wanted list and led the U.S. Marshals, FBI, and Secret Service on a three-year chase while jet-setting around the world with his attractive female accomplices. Cox has been declared one of the most prolific mortgage fraud con artists of all time by CNBC's American Greed. Bloomberg Businessweek called him the mortgage industry's worst nightmare, while Dateline NBC described Cox as a gifted forger and silver-tongued liar. Playboy magazine proclaimed his scam was real estate fraud, and he was the best. Shark in the Housing Pool is Cox's exhilarating first-person account of his stranger-than-fiction story, available now on Amazon and Audible. Bent is the story of John J. Boziak's phenomenal life of crime. Inked from head to toe, with an addiction to strippers and fast Cadillacs, Boziak was not your typical computer geek. He was, however, one of the most cunning scammers, counterfeiters, identity thieves, and escape artists alive, and a major thorn in the side of the U.S. Secret Service as they fought a war on cybercrime. With a savant-like ability to circumvent banking security and stay one step ahead of law enforcement, Boziak made millions of dollars in the international cyber underworld with the help of the Chinese and the Russians. Then, leaving nothing but a John Doe warrant and a cleaned-out bank account in his wake, he vanished. Boziak's stranger-than-fiction tale of ingenious scams and impossible escapes, of brazen run-ins with the law and secret desires to straighten out and settle down, makes his story a true crime con game that will keep you guessing. Bent, how a homeless teen became one of the cybercrime industry's most prolific counterfeiters. Available now on Amazon and Audible. 
buried by the U.S. government and ignored by the national media. This is the story they don't want you to know. When Frank Amadeo met with President George W. Bush at the White House to discuss NATO operations in Afghanistan, no one knew that he'd already embezzled nearly $200 million from the federal government, money he intended to use to bankroll his plan to take over the world. From Amadeo's global headquarters in the shadow of Florida's Disney World, with a nearly inexhaustible supply of the Internal Revenue Services funds, Amadeo acquired multiple businesses, amassing a mega conglomerate. Driven by his delusions of world conquest, he negotiated the purchase of a squadron of American fighter jets and the controlling interest in a former Soviet ICBM factory. He began working to build the largest private militia on the planet, over one million Africans strong. Simultaneously, Amadeo hired an international black ops force to orchestrate a coup in the Congo while plotting to take over several small Eastern European countries. The most disturbing part of it all is, had the U.S. government not thwarted his plans, he might have just pulled it off. It's insanity. The bizarre, true story of a bipolar megalomaniac's insane plan for total world domination. Available now on Amazon and Audible. Pierre Rossini, in the 1990s, was a 20-something-year-old Los Angeles-based drug trafficker of ecstasy and ice. He and his associates drove luxury European supercars, lived in Beverly Hills penthouses, and dated Playboy models while dodging federal indictments. Then, two FBI officers with the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force entered the picture. Dirty agents willing to fix cases and identify informants. Suddenly, two of Rossini's associates, confidential informants working with federal law enforcement, were murdered. Everyone pointed to Rossini. As his co-defendants prepared for trial, U.S. Attorney Robert Mueller sat down to debrief Rossini at Leavenworth Penitentiary, and another story emerged. A tale of FBI corruption and complicity in murder. You see, Pierre Rossini knew something that no one else knew. The truth. And Robert Mueller and the federal government have been covering it up to this very day. Devil Exposed. A twisted tale of drug trafficking, corruption, and murder in the City of Angels. Available on Amazon and Audible. Bailout is a psychological true crime thriller that pits a narcissistic conman against an egotistical pathological liar. Marcus Shrinker, the money manager who attempted to fake his own death during the 2008 financial crisis, is about to be released from prison and he's ready to talk. He's ready to tell you the story no one's heard. Shrinker sits down with true crime writer Matthew B. Cox, a fellow inmate serving time for bank fraud. Shrinker lays out the details. The disgruntled clients who persecuted him for unanticipated market losses, the affair that ruined his marriage, and the treachery of his scorned wife, the woman who framed him for securities fraud, leaving him no choice but to make a bogus distress call and plunge from his multi-million dollar private aircraft in the dead of night. The $11.1 million in life insurance, the missing $1.5 million in gold. The fact is, Shrinker wants you to think he's innocent. The problem is, Cox knows Shrinker's a pathological liar and his story's a fabrication. 
As Cox subtly coaxes, cajoles, and yes, cons Shrinker into revealing his deceptions, his stranger-than-fiction life of lies slowly unravels. This is the story Shrinker didn't want you to know. Bailout, The Life and Lies of Marcus Shrinker. Available now on Barnes & Noble, Etsy, and Audible. Matthew B. Cox is a con man, incarcerated in the Federal Bureau of Prisons for a variety of bank fraud-related scams. Despite not having a drug problem, Cox inexplicably ends up in the prison's residential drug abuse program, known as RDAP. A drug program in name only, RDAP is an invasive behavior modification therapy specifically designed to correct the cognitive thinking errors associated with criminal behavior. The program is a non-fiction dark comedy which chronicles Cox's side-splitting journey. This first-person account is a fascinating glimpse at the survivor-like atmosphere inside of the government-sponsored rehabilitation unit. While navigating the treachery of his backstabbing peers, Cox simultaneously manipulates prison policies and the bumbling staff every step of the way. The Program How a Con Man Survived the Federal Bureau of Prisons' Cult of RDAP Available now on Amazon and Audible. If you saw anything you like, links to all the books are in the description box.